at Bush Gardens Christmas Town. Rekindle the spirit of holiday traditions for you and your family. Delight in the wonder of over 10 million twinkling lights. Cherish the moments as you enjoy new holiday shows and visit Santa and Rudolph. And immerse yourself in a world transformed by the season at the world's most beautiful theme park. The holidays shine brightest at Bush Gardens Christmas Town. Select dates through January 2nd. Right now, it's the best deal of the season. Save over 50% with tickets as low as $24.99. Restrictions apply. Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. You can find all our previous episodes on animationforadults.com, or you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on podcast.com, and I'm Chris, and I am joined, as always, Dan's here. Hi, Dan. Hi, Chris. How's it How going? Doing? I'm very I'm well. Like, Look, you first. First <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I, I'm good, thanks. I'm good. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, Rachel's here. Hi, Rachel. You, as you may have just heard. <laughs> What's up? How's it going? I'm doing fine. How about you? I'm very well, thank you. And Yvonne. Hello. Hello, Yvonne. <laughs> How's it going? Uh, oh, things are good. Things are good. <laughs> Busy. Okay, and this is episode 14 of the podcast. <laughs> Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And if you haven't heard episode 13, it was quite uh, it was different episode to normal because uh, it was an interview me and Yvonne did with Brian Austin from the Animation Project. Which is, yeah. Which we think it's a pretty interesting listen and you should go and have a listen to that if you haven't done it. It was it was it was really great. You um it was really really fascinating to hear about what what Tab's all about and how it's about well, you know, obviously a lot more than just getting, you know, people to make animated films. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. We're planning to follow that up with, like, another episode about uh, animation as community outreach type thing in the near future as well. But, um, yes, listen to nice. that one. Yeah, it's it's great to hear um, Brian talk about chat. <laughs> it really is. Yes. Um, this week uh, we're going to do our normal discussion of um, animation news and stuff, including lots of stuff that's come out of the New York Comic Con, which is happening as we speak, still, just about. Um, it's the last day today. Um, yeah, we're going to, uh, later we're also going to talk some video game stuff, and we're going to talk about animation in games and how it's changed, and also just some general game stuff that we feel like talking about. Because we think that most of you probably play games, and we also think that games and animation are connected very closely. Definitely. Because it's all animation. That's right. Yep. <laughs> Sprites, polygons, you name it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a big part of games is the animation. So we will talk about that in a little while. But before we do that, say, Dan, you... You like listening to things with your ears, such as podcasts, etc. <laughs> do you not? Would you say? Yeah, I do. All, pretty much all the time. <laughs> what if I was to tell you that you could get listen to some stuff with your ears for free and also support your favourite podcast slash website at the same time? 
No. I tell you you are mad and I get you sectioned. <laughs> That's crazy. That's that, crazy talk. That, Does that, such a thing ever exist? <laughs> Rachel, what if I would tell you that same question, except you could get two bits of audio stuff for free and also uh, support your favorite website slash podcast. Where would I find that? You could find that. <laughs> you could find that on uh, uh, if you go to the post on animationfanarts.com that you are listening to this on. If you are listening to it on the website, you will find some links there to Audible. Uh, co.uk and audible.com and if you sign up for a free trial you can get a free audiobook or two free audiobooks for in the case of American listeners and you don't have to stay a subscriber you can cancel any time but you'll also be helping us out at the same time which, very nice by yeah. golly I'll check that out don't, don't you do it because <laughs> you're an employee of of animationfredups.com but that probably wouldn't I was, like that. I was trying to roll with it. Yeah, I know. We were doing a bit, yeah. <laughs> hey, for a completely Got unrehearsed... Got me out of character. Bit, that, was, that was pretty good, like... Yeah. Yeah, improvisation acting on everyone's part, I think. Yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> that, that, that concludes our commercial for today. <laughs> Although, you will also find... Amazon links that you could uh, order through and help us out at the same time if you're going to Amazon anyway anything you order through that even if you're not ordering that exact thing and also there is there are also if you fancy sending us a little tip there's also donation buttons which I feel feel awkward mentioning but they're there Um, yeah (laughs) in case anyone cares to throw money at us (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that concludes the commercial part of our presentation, and we <laughs> shall go on to some animation news. All right, what's going on? Well, there's some news from Pixar this week, uh, which is that they have announced the release dates for their upcoming slate, the films that were released that were confirmed at D23, uh, now have r- more firm release dates. Um. We know that next is Good Dinosaurs coming out uh, November 25th in uh, America and a bit later in the UK. Um, and then Finding Dory is coming out next year. I'm really excited for that one. June yeah. 27, no, June 17th, 2016. And then a year later is Cars Free. Uh, June, <laughs> June, June 16, 2017. But Coco... Their um their Day of the Dead movie is coming out November twenty second, twenty seventeen. So it's almost like they're saying, Yeah, we know, cars free, but we've got an original film coming out the same year. <laughs> well, it's like they're saying that to the to the to the shareholders <laughs> more than anyone. It's like you know that thing that makes shit loads of money and does really well? We'll do that. And then please can we just do another original one, please? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then Toy Story 4 which was going to come out in 2017 is coming out in 2018 instead Uh, so Cars 3 and Toy Story 4 have swapped so if it's Toy Story I want them taking as much time as possible on that because you don't don't mess around with Toy Story 
Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that like actually kind of interests me now about the Toy Story Four thing is it's probably going to be around Bonnie, right? Bo Peep. No. Oh, 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 oh. Bonnie. The little yeah. Girl. I suppose. Well, that's what they're all living with her right now. Mm. Yeah, all the toys so are living with her. It's kind of interesting her. to see how her life plays into it. Right. Yeah. Different angle. <laughs> well, we've been seeing. I don't know if you've any of you have seen the um, the Toy Story shorts that have come out um, since Toy Story three, but that we've seen snippets of that. But yeah, seeing more of that, you know, getting a bit more of a focus, I think, would be interesting. Hey, hey, mm-hmm. do you think we'll get more Totoro? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I hope so. Little... But we're also gonna there's there's gonna be more Mater in the world as well. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> That's such a cool. Cool thing to do. You don't have to watch it. What's he gonna do next, guys? What's he gonna do next? Is he gonna drive off a cliff, hopefully? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Dan. <laughs> he's, he's gonna explain how the car's world works so that Dan will be satisfied. <laughs> yeah, how. Who made those frames? Who made them? <laughs> did you used to watch, like, when you were a kid, did you used to watch, like, Thomas the Tank Engine and go, I don't understand, how are these to- trains talking? Well, there was, no, I, no, aha, right, well, there was the Fat Controller, and he was like a, a, a god figure, kind of mediating <laughs> the island of, was it Sodor or Sodor? <laughs> so it didn't really feel like it was violating much. I kind of trusted him. Like he knew what was going on. He he was happy because the trains were running more or less on time, and you know the passengers were getting on, and and you know the trains were getting changed onto the right tracks. So I was fine with that. The cars land just really creeps me out. Like, where did the humans go? <laughs> it's just, it really that sounds actually like a horror movie waiting to happen. Because, yeah. um, that's like one of those like who was Casper before he died? <laughs> oh my god! Well, the ninety the uh, the nineties movie actually went there. Do you remember? Oh that? no! Yes, I, yeah, it was like oh yeah, he went out one day and he. It was, it's so grim. It was like he went out one day oh. sledding. He got pneumonia, and then... Oh, and then died. Yeah, it's, uh, no, uh, no, 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 Yeah, yeah, I guess. Oh. Yeah, and, you know, it was just like... It was a very different time in the just 90s. Just eerie silence, like... <laughs> <laughs> well, I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he just slipped away quietly and then came back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no one yeah. Trying to provide uh, logic to oh. And Incredibles 2 is coming out in 2019. Well, that is the one time. That, yeah. Nice. People are excited about it, isn't it? That's a long way away. Well... <laughs> I per- if you want to ask my personal opinion, I just, out of all of the Pixar movies that needed a sequel, was perfectly set up for a sequel, it was The Incredibles. Yeah. I'd argue the opposite. I mean, it does seem obviously set up for a sequel. I think it's... 
<laughs> the reason they're such a good movie is because it has a really good conclusion. And, you know, the joke at the end is when the underminer appears, the family know exactly what to do. And you're kind of emotionally what's being said there is there's nothing they can't handle. Mm-hmm. That's so, true. Yeah, I get that. So anyway, 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 um, actually, kind of half-related news is, um, so everyone knows that the Iron Giant Signature Edition was in um, U.S. cinemas for like two days. Mm-hmm. Even two days. It I tried was, to it was, get it. It was in two it. days. It was like one Wednesday and then the following uh, Sunday. Anyway, it's now available for streaming. Um, oh. On Google, Seriously? iTunes, yeah, and Amazon. And I th- and I checked, and I think it's available in the UK. But I'm, not sh- I'm not sure because I checked the running time of the signature edition. And that's one hour thirty minutes, but the advertised running time on the iTunes UK download is one hour twenty six minutes. So I'm not sure if it's a signature edition. It is, in fact, an uh, actual proper HD edition, at least. Hmm. Well, supposedly the Blu-ray is is going to happen. It has been, I think, confirmed now. So that's probably going to be the better thing because. Uh, well, did, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly because of the feature, the special features, but but, um, <laughs> but also wow. digital copies are um, kind of. A, Slightly lower quality than Blu-ray still. Mm-hmm. Blu-ray is still the best. Yeah. Here, here. Yes. Um, <laughs> and also in the Disney side of things is they have released the first like official image from Moana, which is coming out next year, uh, next November. Um, and they've also cast the lead, who will be the new Disney princess. Um, oh, did anyone watch that video? I w- watched a bit of it. Which one? It was so cute. It was... Um... Oh, no, I think I watched all of it, actually, yeah. Yeah, it was basically... They were just, like, doing a little interview with the um, with the girl who's who's voicing Moana. And they, they played um, the video conference uh, clip where she was told that she got the part. <laughs> I was. It was just like a, a, you know, it was a, it was a cool little video where um, she was being, uh, ru- she was running through some lines with um, with the directors and the producer, and they were like, so now we want you to react as if uh, we want you to react to this, uh, you know, as if we're we're telling you that you got the part, <laughs> and then she's like, what? And they're like, well. <laughs> Because that's what's happening. You got the part, and <laughs> yeah, it was quite sweet. It was quite sweet. <laughs> yes, and they've cast an unknown fourteen-year-old from Hawaii, um, and there was a bit of we we have mentioned it before about how you know they have to be a bit careful with the cultural elements of this, and we hope that they handled them well. Mm-hmm. And I think. Now this is where my ignorance comes in. It's it's set in Polynesia. Um Okay. And she's Hawaiian, so it's South Pacific. Do they yeah, really get that I close? Think, <laughs> I I th- I think that's the idea, right? That it's uh Yeah, it's South Pacific and kind of 
the benefit of that is that you can't say, oh, that's not exactly how people behave from that region because there are lots of islands and it's slightly... Is that right? It's uh, And you know. The Rock, he's from Hawaii, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Dwayne Johnson, mm-hmm. as he now likes to be known. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah and he's playing a tattoo demigod. <laughs> so uh, he's playing himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's what everyone always says. He's playing a tattoo demigod. Oh, okay. It's real. Yeah. It's a real stretch for him. <laughs> he's gonna sing. Oh no, no. Really? Tell, please, no. Uh, he I can bet sing. he could. <laughs> I bet he could. Do I it. know he can lip sync. Awesome. I've seen him on the lip sync battle. He was fantastic. But I'm holding my breath when it comes to the actual singing. They they don't do what they used to do uh, anymore, do they? Where where um where the leads had a singing voice and they had a like a dialogue voice. Mm. Yeah, I think the last time they did that was like what is it, Aladdin? I think they might have done that. I'm I'm trying to remember. If it was was Aladdin that was like that, or which other Disney films did that where they had you know like you said they was one. Yeah, did they even do that for um, Princess and the Frog, maybe? <clears throat> no. Uh, I don't think so. Don't okay. think so. Lion King was not, was it? I, well, definitely not with, um, like, Jeremy Irons. And, um, uh, yeah, no. I think, yeah, I think, mine, I think Jeremy Irons tried, tried, but I think they switched it out with, um, oh, it was, uh, God, his name's not coming to me, which is a shame because he's like, Jim Cummings. They switched him out with Jim Cummings at uh, different points in uh, the Be Prepared song. Oh, did they? I did yeah. not know that. Well, it, oh. if, if, if it wasn't Jim Cummings, it was a. It sounded very much like him. Yeah, I did not know that. Okay, and another bit of news is that Wes Anderson is making another stop motion animated movie about cool. about dogs. Apparently, <laughs> that's that spelled all that's been released oh, so yeah, far right. about dogs and like Fantastic Mr. Fox the actual animation's going to be done in the UK um Whee! yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the um I imagine it'll be the same people making the puppets um McKinnon and McKin- McKinnon and Saunders is that uh probably yes yeah it's it's a good place to the talents here and waiting I think mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of interesting that he's decided to do that because he must, or I imagine it's it, it's because he's very very passionate about stop motion. Because I think um, Fantastic Mr. Fox actually costs more money than Grand Budapest Hotel huh. um, to make. So that kind of leads me to. I uh, think, oh, he's not really making this as a as a pot boiler. It's like he's really passionate about stop motion, and it's not he's not doing it because it's cheaper in any way. Well, I mean, right. that goes along with his whole aesthetic, anyway, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah. The Grand Budapest Hotel was his biggest success ever. Um, yeah, it did yeah, it did great, didn't it? Yeah, it made a lot of money. And mm-hmm. also, it was nominated for a lot of awards. So, yeah, he's. It was probably. He could pretty much do what he wanted after that. 
and what he chose to do is he's doing another stop motion so that's <laughs> awesome um and it's interesting coming off the same time at you know coming off the back of anomalisa being made by um charlie kaufman um <laughs> what you've been saying down about um people having a bit of a like they've got like the attitude oh well it's a proper filmmaker making animation not <laughs> just not just some animator um i i kind of understand what you mean because i've been listening to people talking uh, like the reviews mm. of anomalies are coming out of fantastic fest mm-hmm. and like people are saying oh yeah and it's i, I think it could be a best pitch contender and stuff and yeah know, exactly so, so I really didn't. I, I, you know, I, I was worried about behaving that way about it because it's a really snotty like approach to a film I haven't even bloody seen yet. But I was aware that that was going to be coming, and I'm glad that you kind of know what I mean now a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. Why, why can't it just be like nominated as an animation? Yeah. yeah well, exactly. well, it's interesting because at the same time people have also said oh inside out inside out should be a best picture contender and it would be quite annoying i think for you know animation people uh, mm-hmm. if if like an animation film by a non animator well it's co-directed by non animator um would be the one you know to do it <laughs> mm. right like, well as it as it happens i don't think anomalies really sounds like best picture material mm-hmm. um, not because <laughs> yeah. it's not, not because it's mm. probably not a good movie but there are certain movies that win best picture and from the sound of it that does not strike me as a contender see I'm going uh, to go see it on Tuesday so we'll see yeah, yeah. When, <laughs> I mean yeah I'm really excited to hear about about it I don't think it's out in the UK it's not at the London Film Festival no. Um, which is a shame, um, and it's probably not out in the UK until its general release. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this might be um, industry preview. I'm not sure. Not sure about that, but but anyway, mm. yeah, we'll see. Like, see, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but, I mean, it comes it comes from a sensibility of stop motion. Um, at mm-hmm. is it Starburns? Um, you know, uh, the guy who uh, co-directed the movie, Duke Johnson, he works on Moral Oral, uh, which is a really atypical like stop-motion um, series uh, made on made, made for Adult Swim. And it has the appearance of being this really cutesy, like, um, learn a lesson sort of story you know, series, mm-hmm. but it gets into really dark and quite like sophisticated drama, really. So it's not a total surprise that they would be the studio producing, uh, you know, producing the animation for this movie. Uh, incidentally, check out Moral Oil if you can. It's not fun. <laughs> it's astonishing, <laughs> really good work, but it's not fun. I promise you, it's the most depressing. Um, That's great. Uh, you know, it's so funny because I don't think. Oh, it's it it rings a bell like when I look at the images, but I don't. I'm not. It's mm-hmm. not like coming back to me. So I may have just seen a little tiny part of it. Right. 
Yeah, I'll check that out first before I go see the movie. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the UK and also um, McKinnon and Saunders, uh, the Manchester Animation Festival has revealed its lineup, and things that are happening include a presentation on the remade Danger Mouse from people from Boulder Media are coming over from Ireland to talk about it and there is also going to be um, Brian Cosgrove from Cosgrove Hall who is the co-creator of Danger Mouse is going to be given the first fellowship award there very cool uh, and <laughs> McKinnon and Saunders, uh, a guy from that, is going to come over and do a a masterclass. And Tom Moore's going to be there, as we've already mentioned. And also, that is where I think the first UK showing of The Prophet is happening. Nice. Sounds like a great festival. When when, when are the dates? Uh, It's like November 16th, 17th, 18th, something like that. Okay. Um, Yeah. Okay, it looks pre- looks pretty awesome. But um, one more story about the UK is that Dragon Ball Z Resurrection, or as we'd call it in the UK, I suppose, Dragon Ball Z Resurrection <laughs> F, um, has done really well in the UK box office because they got extended from a one-day run uh, to like proper. It's now running until uh, October fifteenth. And they also managed to break through into the top ten. Man. Impressive, especially in the UK where it's a much smaller market for anime. And Yeah, considering and the amount of screens it was on. Yeah, it was... I think it's like happened in the US where people were willing to travel if they weren't one near them. Because Oh, yeah. It yeah. Had, that, I think that was the case, at least the, the my local area, I know that there was... I could tell, like, there were at least a couple people in the theater with me that were, that didn't sound like they were from, like, they, they looked, sounded sounds like they had probably drove, drove from, like, New Jersey or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, because I'm, because I'm in Delaware, you know, it's, there's not too many other areas you can, you know, drive to, but I don't, I, I need to double check, like, how many other theaters in the area actually had this, uh, had, we're showing this movie, but it, it, it I, I can definitely see that happening. <laughs> yeah, well done to Manga Entertainment for doing that. They've done a really good job because the same same thing as within um, with Funimation in the US. Um, it's basically had no mainstream coverage or anything. It's all been through them promoting it, everything that it's managed to get into the top ten, and that's awesome. So, well done, yeah. them. Major props. <laughs> and now it is time to move on to some news about the New York Comic Con. Um, and a few interesting stories have come out there. Um, one of them is that How to Train Your Dragon is getting a graphic novel series from Dark Horse. Nice! Oh, nice. nice. Ah. So, Is it going to be um, post-Movie 2, or...? I believe so. Um, Very cool. <laughs> I haven't read up fully on the details yet. But um, it's interesting. I think they're teaming up, you know, with people on the film. So hopefully, um, hopefully it will tie in more to the films than the TV series. Um, yeah. Because generally, I love those movies, but I'm my my connection to the films pretty much sticks to the films. I don't. I'm not a major fan of the 
TV series that I've seen just mm-hmm. seems a bit. It tries. I will give the uh, from what I've seen in both series. I will uh, I will give it this. They try, but you know to stay relatively connected. But I think that I don't know if, like what the communication is between those two different you know the people in charge of both projects. But they just there seems to be a some sort of like they they aren't really trying to stick to a you know adhere to. I don't know. I guess I'm trying to say I'm I'm, I'm rambling. <laughs> Well, no, they're kind of, they have quite a thankless task. They are in between movies, which are the things where things change and there are consequence, and they're Mm -hmm. working in TV. And the only thing really in TV that works where you can have a reset button is like sitcoms. And, you know, or I I don't know, I guess like action cartoon shows, like. Yeah, action, at least a lot more recent ones. And things like that. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, the trend nowadays in TV is that people are fine uh, with things changing mm. and, um, you know, being used to watching every episode. So it must be, yeah, exactly quite a thankless task, really, um, mm-hmm. to be told you have this series, make sure the characters are here by the end and make sure they're in exactly the same place, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so we can do our movies. I yeah. suppose the graphic novel is going to have the same sort of issue, really, is the problem. Yeah, I, I don't tend to go for stuff like that, but I can see the enjoyment. Like, if you like the characters, then that's enough of a pull, I think. If you if you like just spending time with those characters, mm-hmm. I can understand it. I, I bought the Rick and Morty comic uh, myself, actually, um, all by myself, uh, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. And with your pocket money. With my pocket money, I went to the shop <laughs> and I saved, I saved up all my fifty piece, and um, I did it because yeah, I didn't like the idea of not being able to be with those characters, as lame as it sounds. And I can totally understand no. anyone that for anything. <laughs> you know, I get well, you. I totally get you. Yeah, that's I, how I, I think... felt about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Dark Horse Comics published those as well, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've been meaning to sort of get into that because I've always had the... I've always... In the past, I've always thought, oh, it doesn't count, that's no good. Mm -hmm. Basically, if something starts off as a comic, that's fine, but if it's like a spin-off of a TV series, I I just think of it as like a cash-in or whatever. But there's been these things recently where it's the continuation of the story you know, it's the only way you can see okay. the continuation of the story. They've, they've, oh, they're just starting to do like a Back to the Future comic series as well. I think. Oh wow! Um, I think um, I think it was also Dark Horse Comics that um, I remember when Star Wars: The Clone Wars got cancelled, um, and they were, you know, in that transitional period. They, you know, they still had like scripts and stuff for episodes that they were going to put together, you know, for their last, you know, season or so, that they were still unfinished, and still, you know, a lot of, like, a lot of loose plot, you know, plot threads hang- left hanging, so they tried to do, um, at least one comic book series before they transitioned to the new, uh, Star Wars Rebels thing, where they, uh, tried to at least provide some conclusion to one of the loose plot threads, but that even then, that was still kind of, like, they still left some stuff open, which I don't know if they're gonna try and maybe conclude in uh in actually in Rebels since they, a lot of majority of the same people are working on that series, but who knows? That's cool. Uh, I think also like the comics based on Adventure Time and um 
like, I don't, probably regular show and being puppy cut and stuff they're really I think they're really good as well from what I've seen of them because they get really good people involved with them basically like really good like webcomic writers and stuff like that mm-hmm. and amazing artists so I think I think the idea of just comics based based off a TV series or whatever the idea that they're not good I think is probably outdated yeah well yeah it's changed well yeah it's outdated to to the extent that they've always existed as well Mm -hmm. did you guys ever check out i don't know if we talked about this before or not but um i read all of the um walking dead comics on my ipad and um that format is just the coolest thing i mean have you looked at any of the digital comics via um uh e-readers or ipad specifically ipad um they just, it's cool because you focus in on each panel. <laughs> so it's very, um, I don't know, it almost feels like it's intended for that uh, oh, because, you know, right. you know, so you, as you swipe through each one, you know, you really get like the, the panel size changes, you know, and you really focus in on each one and there's a black background. And I gotta um, say, I have, it's more I have like a, a slideshow. Yeah? Yeah, I have a problem with that because comics are made to be read as a page where the whole thing is in front of you and it's well, you down can do that, to... that too you can right. do that too but you can also okay. zoom in on them i don't know i just think it's great to be able to sort of focus on each one if you want or mm-hmm. zoom out and see the whole thing i i don't know i i really i feel like it's immersive almost <laughs> Yeah, tablets. Tablets it's are really good, good for comics. I've come, I've come around to eBooks, and I, mm-hmm. I really like. I'll buy eBooks now, and I won't feel like, oh, there's not a physical thing here, and I'm happy with, with that idea. But comics, I just can't get over. Like, they're so perfect on on the mm. bit of flimsy paper, and I can take them anywhere, and I can hold them closely, and I can look at them as far away as I want or as close as I want. (laughs) I think that's the same. I think it's like the same, the same argument as like, you know, the eBooks and all that with the versus actual books and actual comics. Like, you know, do people prefer actually holding the physical copy and reading them that way? Or do, you know, people enjoy getting that kind of sort of interactive quality or um, kind of like easy to carry around that, uh, you know, the eBooks and tablets all have. It's, it's, I think well, it's a, first a matter of preference. It's not no. just that though with the ebooks because the ebooks, man, the fact that you have a traveling dictionary with you while you're reading a book is fantastic. I mean, that's the huge, at least for me, the huge difference. Um, just to be able to look up any word automatically, you know what I mean? Because I remember <laughs> yeah. I would carry around a dictionary with me, like reading um, some, you know, like God. More diff- when it, well, no, I mean when I was reading more difficult material, you know, I mean if it's just a fluff piece, that's different. But um, yeah, and and it just to be able to look stuff up is amazing. But with comics, oh, other, I mean, the, the I can cool see thing. the difference because you have you know artwork right there too. I don't know, it's something. It's getting oh, so, Chris, did anything <laughs> yes. else happen it? Oh, my. <laughs> well, speaking of Adventure Time... Um, <laughs> Segway! <laughs> like a Segway jingle. I think we need someone to yes. do a Segway jingle. <laughs> yes. Every time we do a really good Segway, we get to play the jingle in. Perfect. Tinkerbell. Yeah, yeah. Tinkerbell. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the 
character of Marceline is getting her own little spin-off miniseries called Stakes. Awesome. And that is going to start in November. She's one of the one of the more interesting characters, I think, or just like more, at least my personal favorite out of uh, what I've seen of Adventure Time. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's really cool that she's you know, I think that someone out there thinks that she's cool enough to carry her own story. Well, again, she had like <laughs> her own spin-off comic series, which has been quite popular, I think. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's part of the you know she's got her own fad dub. So. Oh, she's yeah, she doing does. her own TV series, you mean? Well, mini, yeah, mini TV series. Oh, cool. All right. Um, so it's not a complete spin-off separate series, but it's like mm-hmm. limited run thingy, like um, Over the Hedge or whatever. Oh, over that's perfect. Over the garden shed. Over the garden shed. <laughs> <laughs> over the garden wall. I actually got to see all of that, by the way, and it was phenomenal. Aha! Awesome. Um, I still have to catch up. Yeah, I've only yeah. seen the first. Has anyone two, seen their their other uh, new series, um, the Bears? That we bear bears. No, I haven't. Not uh-huh. yet. Mm-mm. Yeah, I need to check that out. Yes, despite having access to like Cartoon Network, I haven't watched it for <laughs> a very long time because I I just don't watch normal TV. <laughs> I, I do everything time. on Netflix yeah. or whatever. Um. And there is one other story I wanted to cover from New York Comic Con. And I have to say, one of my favourite things when I've been listening back and editing is sometimes there is a story that someone finds out about in the course of the episode that makes them happy or whatever. And you get an awesome, genuine reaction where they find out the news for the first time in unrelated news. Um... (laughs) <laughs> it's been announced that there is going to be a live-action Hollywood production of Tiger Buddy. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Can it be true? Can it it's be true? true? Oh my god! Yes. <laughs> I can die happy. I, uh, when you were said earlier, oh, I, I stumbled across a story. I was like, oh no, please don't, please. Ah. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted you surprise. wanted to make sure I hadn't found out yet. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to surprise you. That was well, the show. <laughs> you got me. You yeah. Got me. Yeah. Um, would you Would you like to explain for the uninitiated what Tiger and Buddy is about? <laughs> All right. Um. The synopsis of, uh, of what I can put together of uh, Tiger and Bunny, while the name sounds ridiculous, it is, uh, the story is based on this uh, kind of, I would say, semi-futuristic modern uh, city where mm-hmm. they have, you know, superheroes and like, people with superpowers are, uh, you know, they pop up every now and again and they're just kind of considered, you know, kind of like the everyday thing. However... They have, in this particular city, they have a television program where they have super, the people with superpowers as take on identities as superheroes and basically compete with each other, doing, you know, saving people, preventing disasters, and so forth, as kind of like a reality TV show sort of thing. And, uh, you know, you have a whole bunch of different superheroes. Uh, Fire Emblem, he controls and manipulates fire. 
Um, and the main character, um, I feel terrible, I can't remember his last name, uh, Sotetsu, a.k.a. Wild Tiger, is one of the older superheroes. And he's not really popular because he, in the process of saving people, he does a lot of uh, property damage. <laughs> and uh, so he's not really as popular as he used to be, but in order to kind of uh, get a new edge, he's kind of given a he's given a new partner named Barnaby. And the story covers as the two try to learn how to work together and uh, try to protect the city from a multitude of different threats. And he nicked, and the, we know where the bunny, the bunny comes from. Uh, basically, that's Kotetsu's uh, name for Barnaby because. He has little, his suit has ears and he hops around because of his superpower. So that's where the bunny comes from in the title. <laughs> yep, so it's a superhero thing, but the superheroes all got sponsors on their chest and everything, like yeah. Pepsi <laughs> on it. And they run around on TV and, you know, they get told, oh, no, no, don't do it that way because it's not good for the sponsors or ratings or whatever. Um, yeah, it's one of these. Kotetsu is the character like, screw that, I'm trying. I'm going to save people. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's obviously based on Western superhero stuff, so it's one of these situations where it makes sense to do a, a Hollywood version of it. Mm-hmm. And, right. and yeah, so it's really good that they do that, because I think that they could, you know, it's time has come, I think, it's, with it, the superhero it, thing. produced by Ron Howard. Yeah. What? Get out of town! Are you serious? Or his his production company, anyway. Oh, yeah. That's, so I'm excited. <laughs> Needless to say, I'm excited. Hmm. Yeah, there's quite a few sort of anime um, things in production. As 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 a uh, yeah, I mean, uh, hmm. <laughs> well, I, we've Dragon Ball Evolution happened. Yeah, eh. yeah. It, it it unfortunately exists. And yeah, but... and 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 Hollywood is you know has taken forever trying to get Akira off the ground. I you know um, Rachel, don't be too disappointed when it looks nothing like Tiger and Bunny as you know it. I know it will be. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm. They're working with the people. I think they're working with the original. It Sunrise are involved. Okay. They? Okay. Production thing. So they're saying we, they're making all the right noises to say that we're going to do it pretty faithfully. Um, because mm-hmm. the way it's done is it it would be a good fit with like Western superhero stuff. So I think you know they don't. It's one of these. It's not like one of these insanely Japanese things where they have to um, relocate everyone and change everything. Um, it's quite Western in its outlook, yeah, anyway. It is so, really okay, okay. And yeah. that's the one. That's the kind of things Hollywood should be adapting from anime, rather than, you know, Bleach and going. Oh, we're going to change <laughs> all the characters' names, and yeah, <laughs> we're going to set it in America, and we're not going to call it Bleach anymore. And yeah, like Dragon Ball. Yeah. Um, but we are. Almost certainly, actually, going to get a live-action adaptation now because um, I'm pretty sure they've started shooting Ghost in the Shell. Um, cool. And that's going to happen. 
and we know what's going to happen. Everyone's going to say, oh, it's a bit like the Matrix, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, is, it is. It is. It strikes me as exactly first? the sort of film that's going to satisfy. It's not going to satisfy people who don't know what Ghost in the Shell is because they're just going to be confused and it's not really. They're going to be like, "What the hell is this?" Yeah, like you say, it's oh, it's like the Matrix, but not as good. And then the fans will be disappointed because you know um, the. Characters don't look exactly the same. Well, they cast Scarlett Johansson, so there's already the whitewashing problem. Ah. Mm. Um, but huh. it's being directed by uh, Rupert Sanders, who directed Snow White and the Huntsman, which I was not a big fan of what I saw, but visually it was very impressive. Yeah. And in- interestingly, he was apparently, or they were very influenced by Princess Mononoke in the visuals of that film. That was their touchstone that they yeah. said. So, maybe he's got a bit of a I'll give Snow White and the Huntsman this. It was an interesting idea. It was interesting. It was, they, they tried to do something new and different with that particular story, but execution, like, it would, like, sometimes it was really good, sometimes it was, it kind of faltered. So. The problem with that film was that it tried to make you convinced that Kirsten Stewart is more attractive than Charlize Theron. So <laughs> yeah, that, I did, that I didn't believe. <laughs> so yeah. who is the fairest in the land? Oh, it's Kirsten Stewart. <laughs> Kristen Stewart. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. So, <laughs> They're also currently working on a Death Note live-action movie with a quite interesting director, Adam Wingard, who directed The Guest, which is awesome. Um, so it's a good director. Yeah, Death Note's uh, got a lot. I mean, in this plot, there's not too... I mean, it has the the main supernatural element where there's a giant, like, you know, clown face god of death following him around but the rest of it's quite a conventional thriller yeah uh, no, pl- pl- um, storyline not everyone will agree with me but I would argue that it's already been done well in live action so yeah with the, the Japanese mm. movies yes yeah see not everyone agrees with me <laughs> but I thought those were really good movies so they they were exactly the sort of thing that gets made in Japan when the thing <laughs> and they go oh quick we have to make a live action movie and yeah, it's fine. Okay, so Tiger Bally, the movie coming soon. Well, not that soon, but some point. At some point, it will be it will be a thing that happens, and I will be waiting. Yeah, we'll wait for that. Um, <laughs> and now it's time to move on to talk a bit about some stuff that we've been watching, or at least some stuff I've been watching. Uh, if anyone else has got anything else as well. Um, <laughs> not too much this week, unfortunately. <laughs> Outside yeah, the usual. Right, um, one thing I was able to watch recently is a Spanish animated film called Wrinkles, um, which has been reviewed on the site, but not by me. Uh, it was by Christoph. Um, and it is not your typical animation film because it is based on a graphic novel from Spain uh, about um, a bunch of elderly people in a home. And <laughs> the, the lead... Yeah. And the lead character um, 
is starting. He's got the early signs of Alzheimer's. Oh. So it sounds like a laugh, Bright. Obviously, um, <laughs> but it's actually it's not completely nothing depressing. It's actually it's quite light in places, and there's also and it's really well made, nice. and it's obviously as you might imagine it's also quite moving and sad in places and also it depends on like your experiences like um if you've got experience of seeing that for real in your family like i have then it gets you more i think um but if you haven't not so much probably but it's really beautifully made and stuff and it's like i said it's not completely not completely depressing because it still has fun with the characters and like one of the characters is basically like this old rogue <laughs> who goes around um oh. like conning all the other inmates as he describes them out of money and stuff like that <laughs> and there's also a scene where you go oh yes this is clearly european um where all the old men are um basically um leching over one of the nurses <laughs> who is um well animated in the Gynax style. <laughs> um, oh my. And you go, oh yes, this is this is European. But yeah, I, I think it's really good as long as you know, as long as it's not too tough for you to watch because of personal reasons or whatever. Mm. It is worth watching. How was how was the voice? Uh, I I did watch the English version, which has got um, Martin Sheen as the main character. Um, it was okay. That's the American man. The American man. <laughs> I always get Martin Sheen <laughs> and um Charlie Sheen. No, Char- no, um uh, Mike uh, yes, the, the Mike Welsh Sheen. guy. The Welsh yeah, yeah that's yeah. Because yeah. I the Welsh guy who I'm still oh. disappointed when I went to go and see uh the um The guy in Masters of Sex. Yeah, I went to go and see Amazing <laughs> Spider Man thinking expecting David Frost to be Uncle Ben. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, I see. Okay, because um, I, it's quite it's quite interesting how smaller films like this handle dubs and mm-hmm. voice acting at all. Um, whether it's, I mean, is it sort of quite comical or is it quite naturalistic? Uh, fairly straight. I think it's played fairly straight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like yeah, it's not like big in Hollywood and yeah. noisy and everything because it's it is a low key sort of film. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also looks it looks like a like a you know like French or Spanish or whatever comic book you know that sort of style. So and it looks it's really. Nicely done. Yeah, I've been meaning to check it out for a long time. I should really get around to that. It sounds, yes, it sounds like you enjoyed it. I did. You know, as it, much as you it, can enjoy a film. You know, it, it sounds like you thought it was a good film. It's a good okay. film, yes. And I think it's worth watching. And I also watched a uh, second episode of The New Version of the Muppets, oh. uh, which, was, which was, again, I enjoyed that a lot. Um... Not was... a lot to say. Uh, it had um, mm. Josh Groban as the guest star. I didn't uh, know who he was, so that joke kind of worked on me a bit. But then I was just like, okay. I only <laughs> know who he is because uh, we have in the UK we have a tradition of like um, comedy panel game shows, 
and there was one that ran for many years called Nevermind the Buzzcocks. It's, mm-hmm. it's, fi- it's finally been cancelled after about 18 years. Has it? Yeah, it's not coming oh, back. Oh, that's kind of sad. It's very sad. I, I love that. Um, it, was yeah. a, it was a music-based quiz show with lots of comedians and also music people as guests. And Josh Groban appeared on that a couple of times. And he is a very funny guy. You know, just his, oh, his really? personality or whatever. Yeah. Um, and he's also in Muppets Most Wanted. So he's probably a bit of a Muppets fan as well. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, okay. So... That probably explains why he's in it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I haven't got a lot to say. It was good. I'm still liking it's, it. It's it's still good. I'm still liking it. I want them to really play up a little bit more of physical humour. Just because it's for adults doesn't mean to say that you can't have fun with slapstick and stuff like that. Like you expect it from the Muppets. Mm-hmm. To a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. It was a little heavy on them. Um, yeah, like dialogue gags, I thought, but mm-hmm. fine, it was fine. And I watched the next episode of South Park, uh, which was again, again, it was good. Uh, interesting, what you were saying, Dan, about how like <clears throat> the last season started, like having right. a through line, and yeah. that's ob- obviously what they're doing again. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, which is interesting because they're doing the whole PC principle plot line and. And um, the, I think Mr. Garrison gonna run for president or something like that. Um, right. They're doing, yeah. A, yeah. they're doing a, a through line for the series, which is interesting because it's not something they. You said they did it last season, but it's not something that traditionally they've done a lot of. Um, and it's not a thing that like animated sitcoms do generally, which because um, mm-hmm. you know they've been they've been uh, like. They've been eight for fifteen years or whatever. But what was interesting is that they they've already played on that. By there was like one series where they went up a grade. I don't know if you remember. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It was like it was like South Park. It's great. Grade or whatever it is. I, I don't know what it. I don't know the greatest. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry. Um, and the other thing that I've watched a lot of. Whereas I have finally been catching up with Rick and Morty. <laughs> what do you uh, think, Chris? I, I love it. I love it so much. Um, yeah, it's the thing is, what something I really love about it is that it is proper sci-fi comedy. Mm-hmm. In that the mm-hmm. sci-fi is there as much as the comedy, and that's something that I love. Like, definitely, it doesn't it. doesn't happen in a lot of things, but you know, like some of my favourite things like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mm-hmm. are proper com- comedy sci-fi and mm. when I was growing up I loved Red Dwarf and that you know has proper decent sci-fi concepts in it as well as comedy yeah um, it doesn't it doesn't just use a sci-fi as a setup it yeah. right. like it says no logis- like uh, logically what would happen when this continue when this situation continues is da 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 time travel gets really crazy and they go, and they. I really love that they go with it. Yeah, so and have conviction. And Futurama was the same as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, in animation world, uh, and yeah, I'm really loving it so far. I've watched, I finished season one, um, and I'm going to start on season two very soon, as soon as I can. <laughs> um, and 
Well, it's quite interesting is I initially thought that they were doing the whole, oh, never mind continuity type thing. Like you get in, say, Aquatine Hunger Force, where they're like, oh, we'll kill off the characters this week and then everything's fine next week. Um, but there is, I don't want to give it away if you haven't seen it, but there is basically a point where you go, oh, no, wait, things actually have consequences. <laughs> and they have they have like a callback to something that happened in the previous episode that changes everything. Significantly, yeah, it was it's it's a callback to something which is kinda of quite throwaway. Yeah. And then and then you go, Oh yeah, I do remember that and oh shit, that really did happen and I guess that, that really would you know, make them feel this way. <laughs> it's really hard to talk around if you haven't seen yes. it. But that but, seems uh, to be a growing trend with a lot of uh a lot of animated shows nowadays. I'm, I'm beginning to, at least I'm, be, I'm starting to notice. Mm-hmm. Making a lot oh, more one... references back to previous episodes, showing that, you know, like you said, events, certain events do have consequences. And I think personally, that's yeah. something that's really, that they should do more of. <laughs> yeah, they, they really do understand how, how that works, basically. They have, I, I think they take a lot of cues from Doctor Who. Yeah, <laughs> as as it happens, um, especially on se- in season two of Rick and Morty, the whole idea of so a season of Doctor Who will have an over overarching kind of um, theme or mm-hmm. particular development or particular thing that they want to explore. Mm-hmm. They get a couple of like two parters kind of exploring that theme, and then the next week might be a completely different adventure. But they're all kind of adding up to a sort of thematic. It's kind line. of Sherlock Holmes, like Sherlock Holmes too. In a little, a little yeah, bit, exactly. In that respect. Yeah, yeah. Did I don't you know I don't think I got that far with the the reference callback. Yet. I think I'm I sort of got to the end of season one and then I had to pull myself away. But um, are they referencing mm. Mrs. Pancake? <laughs> the first thing I thought of, like, you don't know me. <laughs> oh yeah! yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was just cracking because it would be so absurd. <laughs> anyway, and there's, there's also just like really utterly random stuff as well. Like there's an episode where they're watching TV from an alternate dimension, and that plays most of the episode. Like we're just going to show clips <laughs> from from an alternate dimension. Like, and it's I. It, is that the bit you're talking about where they leave bits of their own improvised, Dan? Yeah, yeah. Where, yeah, where, where it was, it's it's just Justin Roiland goofing off in front of the mic, and he'll <laughs> say, "Hi, I'm you know, answer my eyes, Dan." <laughs> and <laughs> that sounds <laughs> and amazing. It's really not. Good. It's not fun listening to someone like remember a TV show and go, "Ha not a funny bit." But it it, it it's great how they um yeah they leave it in and. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how they get how they get away with it. I mean, the, some... <laughs> they get away with it because actually each episode is really well structured, and even if it might seem kind of crazy, it has a really strong emotional um, logic to it. Yeah, there's such mm-hmm. so many great lines too. Remember, um, it's not a spoiler. The um the dog helmet <laughs> when yeah. they're trying to get the dog to sort of do the one and, and there's some sort of line and he's like uh, I I hope you're happy now like basically you've gotten your dominance over this like I hope this is, is working for you now <laughs> it's like 
I hope this solves your, all your emotional needs, basically. Is what he's saying. As he, you know, as they move on with the rest of the episode. It's just, it's like, I don't even know what the line was, but they just cracked me up to no end. Um, and they just, yeah, there's all these little, like, throwaway lines that sort of echo back to you after you watch the episode. You're like, oh, that stings. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, it's really quippy and it's really funny, but it doesn't, I mean, it gets it gets kind of real and kind of a little bit depressing sometimes, but it's actually <laughs> not a cynical show. It's right. kind well, you of you have an alcoholic it, hero. <laughs> yeah, with it's, it's vomit like, around his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> That's so gross. <laughs> it's, he's slightly old, weary, but kind of like Doctor Who. He's world weary, but the show itself is not a cynical thing. It's mm. quite optimistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You get the sense that they actually really give a shit about the characters as well. Yeah. Yeah, you do too. It's like you you he's still a hero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> did, did you catch that there was a, a story going around that oh they they're hire they're hiring some women writers for season 3. <laughs> no, I apparently didn't. they ha- apparently they didn't hire any for the previous seasons. But oh. I think I think it's maybe they're doing more spec, you know, things from outside writers and stuff going forward. But I, 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 as I understand, I think um, there were a few female writers on on Community who. De- oh, definitely there were. Yeah, they were, like, were really good. So Megan Gantz, I think, yeah, is, yeah, was a major part of the success of that show. Yeah. So, I think, yeah, it's not like he's a misogynist or anything. It's just, um, yeah. But apparently, season three, they're talking about it's going to be more mixed, maybe. Um, huh? Seems like TV from other dimensions has a somewhat looser feel to it. Yeah, it's got an almost improvisational tone. It's in theaters now, coming this summer. Two brothers in a van, and then a meteor hit, and they ran as fast as they could from giant cat monsters, and then a giant tornado came. And that's when things got knocked into 12th gear. A Mexican armada shows up with weapons made from tomatoes. And you better bet your bottom dollar that these two brothers know how to handle business. In Alien Invasion Tomato Monster Mexican Armada Brothers who are just regular brothers running in a van from an asteroid and all sorts of things, the movie. Hold on, there's more. Old women are coming, and they're also in the movie, and they're going to come and cross-attack these two brothers. But let's get back to the brothers, because they are they have a strong bond. You don't want to know about it here, but I'll tell you one thing. The moon, it comes crashing into Earth, and what do you do then? It's two brothers, and a, and and they're gonna. It's called two brothers. Two brothers. Uh, also, I watched lots more of Danger Mouse. It's still great. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I I haven't seen anything past the pilot yet. Yeah, there's there's some great episodes. There's like um, there's an episode where there's like a super powered little girl who wants to cover everything in pink glittery stuff, um, <laughs> and it's called like. Pink Dawn or something. It's, right. Yeah. It's, right. it's it. It's all good. All the writing's excellent. The acting and the performances and everything. Uh yeah. Like I said before, they've 
just got it right and I stick by that <laughs> and yeah that's what I'd be watching very nice anybody else I okay. actually I watched well it's not related so much to animation I watched the entire I was down with the flu <laughs> and I watched <laughs> the um entire the six episode season of um, Fear the Walking Dead <laughs> oh. which was um, entertaining and then uh and I also did some video game playing, but I will. Did anyone else watch anything? Um, um, not this week, really. Aside from the usual stuff, when it comes to mm-hmm. animation watching for me. Yeah, I had a really, really crazy week, so I didn't really get much watch apart from like the finale of Rick and Morty season two, which I'm not going to talk about because yeah. I don't want to spoil it for you guys. Um, but also, uh, this morning I watched, uh, House Moving Castle. Um, yeah. which, Classic. uh, I felt it was time for me to rewatch. Basically, my understanding is that it's kind of not really anyone's favorite. It's often brought up as an example of, like, Miyazaki's weakest film. Um, mm. and it's been accused of, like, having a really meandering plot. Uh, and I was kind of thinking about it on and off this week, and I was thinking, hmm, yeah, I should, I should like revisit that. And I'm convinced now that it is something really, really special. And it does some really, really amazing things with, um, the idea of transformation, but also like landscapes are so important in the film. And you know how you often hear people say, you know, oh, it's like the, uh, uh, the city itself is a is a character, you know. Like in the, <laughs> yeah. it, it, in 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 the case of House Moving Castle, it's it's so important to um, understanding, like the you know, cause basically. Uh, so the the film itself is a bit like a crazy circus. It doesn't really make much sense on the surface. It is just, you know, wow, this crazy thing's happening now, and wow, this, you know, uh, pretty thing is happening here. But really, if you really watch it from the point of view of the characters, it's a really, really interesting, um, quite classic sort of love story about accepting Mm -hmm. someone and accepting who that person is and seeing them from different points of view. It's, it's really interesting that, um, Sophie in the film, she doesn't meet how directly for quite a while. Um, uh, well, she, she bumps into him in, in, in town and he chucks her in the air and they have a walk in the sky. But, um, her first actual real meeting with him is in the castle and she, she enters through the back door and it's dark and dingy and it's really about like her, you know, entering how sort of subconscious really and it's oh, about cool. her discovering who he is like from a really deep level first off and throughout the film they observe each other from these quite indirect places like how only sees um sophie as a young girl because she's turned into an old lady um as, uh, uh, she had she's cursed and she's turned into an old lady but how she first sees her as a young girl in her young girl form when she's asleep 
and she first sees him, um, you know, as, as a, as a bird person, not until quite late in the film as well. So anyway, it's, I, 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 I gave it a good rewatch and I was quite open minded to it. And it does kind of have a little slight sag in the middle where some quite, um, you know, obligatory plot business is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as an, as, as, as a, as a love story, basically, I think it's, it's excellent. Yeah, so, I, I agree with you 100%. If you, um, if you think it's not your favorite. I don't know. I wouldn't, I was, I still wouldn't say it's my all time favorite Miyazaki movie that I've ever seen. It, but it is still, I think it's, I think it's, it's still better than people, than people, most people give it credit for. I mean, I can understand why some people would take issue with it because, um, at least with people who are familiar with the actual book and how different it is from the actual story. And if you enjoyed that story, uh-huh. then you may not be, you may be let down with at least with, with the way the, the story was adapted for the film. Yeah. But, I, I didn't, I didn't read the book actually. I've only seen the movie. And maybe, maybe I should. Um, it seems like, yeah, he sort of, he shaved off a few parts of like Hal's personality that mm-hmm. was slightly bristly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I, I, I keep, I keep seeing a bit of dialogue posted online, uh, from, from the book where Hal sort of like comes, comes, uh, comes to at the end of the story and he wakes up and he goes, ah, oh, Hal's teeth. What a hangover, and yeah. <laughs> I can't really imagine the sort of uh, shonen, like Hal in the movie, saying anything like that. But. Yeah, he was—he's complete and total shonen in the movie. I don't think Miyazaki really adapts books or whatever. He just <laughs> takes the thing and throws most of it out and does. I just want to do what I want to do. He's going to use the basic concept. He's done that since the seventies. His series yeah. uh, Conan: Boy in the Future was mm-hmm. meant to be based upon um, uh, this book called The Great Tide. And yeah, he basically he got rights to the book and he went, "That's great. That's a good jumping off point." <laughs> and he, he, wasn't, he wasn't interested in staying faithful to it. Yeah, that's just, that seems to be Miyazaki's thing. And for what, considering what he did with Howl's Moving Castle, I'm, mm. even though I'm only like slightly familiar with the book, um, I I'm, have no problems with it. That's kind of like my the shining. Loved the book growing up. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it was a favorite of my sister oh. growing up. That oh. book. Nice. Yeah, it, yeah, The Shining. Stephen King does not like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's very different. He's wrong, though. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah they're he... two different entities. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But I'm, I'm sure it's really hard to separate yourself from, mm-hmm. from that. If you've written The Shining, to then see someone, <laughs> no, you've done it wrong. <laughs> yeah. You missed yeah. it. No, no, I played it better. It's not about America. It's not about. Uh, native burial grounds. It's <laughs> <laughs> anyways. Yeah, adaptations got... aside, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't really get the hate that House Moving Castle gets. I, I think it's just part of its problem is coming after Spirited Away. Basically, I think Spirited Away makes less sense than House Moving Castle. To be honest, I think just you know that was sort of 
the peak and everything after that, people just went, oh, no, no, mm. he's, he's lost it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's won the Oscar, let, let's let's all turn on him now. Uh. Oh, he's out. He's gone. <laughs> so yeah. I, uh, mm. But, yeah, I, I really like the movie. So do I. Whatever anyone says. So, And I like all his movies after that as well. So, yeah, yeah. Even he's Podio. forever. <laughs> oh, I did see. Um, I did see that. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot for a moment. I saw um, that VR thing, the Doghouse movie. It's a... This makes a nice transition to our video game section. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, as you know, a couple podcasts ago, I was at uh, the IFP Media Center. Um, in Dumbo, and I went to see uh, the Doghouse, and uh, it's a it was an 18 minute short film, um, though there was enough content for a feature length film. <laughs> um, and you wore the Oculus Rift uh, version one of the developer's kit, that SDK V1, I guess you call it. And um, I tell you, it was. Um, it was cool to, to experience that version because I had never um, tried out any of the, the VR glasses, the goggles. And um, it was nice to, to experience the first one because it was it was slightly pixelated and it did make you slightly nauseous. <laughs> oh boy. Um, like James Rogers was saying, you know, when we were talking to him about VR stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, the way they had set up was there was a um, a table, an actual table in a room with um, plates and silverware and wine glasses, and you know, so we're set out with a spread, no food or anything. And then the movie uh, was a family drama. There were subtitles, um, uh, but I mine actually weren't working, which I was fine with because I. You know what I mean? It was very immersive, and um, I kind of just wanted to experience it, and then I found out, you know, what I missed uh, from the people sitting next to me. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. um, so what you did is you picked a character to experience the movie as, and the way they shot it um, was not with, you know, there are different variations. You can either, um, right now, I mean, it's honestly, it's sort of Wild West. There aren't really any rules, but... um, they do have these 360-degree uh, cameras where they take the cameras and they sort of put them out in an environment and then, you know, record 360 degrees. And then what happens is when you experience them with the VR glasses, you're sort of a floating entity, right? Well, well these were recorded uh, with the point of view um, of the actor, which meant that the actors were had cameras strapped to their foreheads. Um, and the, the project itself was a real do-it-yourself type situation i mean they just used two gopro cameras and stuck them next to each other <laughs> and uh mm. strapped them to the actors and the, the distance between the two lenses were just was just uh was serendipitous i suppose it was exactly the same uh distance as as between the two human eyes so mm-hmm. so it worked out <laughs> that well, is hey, absolutely hang, incredible hang on so so this yeah. was a live action movie this was a live-action movie um, that you... Wow. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. And you, you chose okay. a character to experience it okay. as... I know, I know. It, I'm going to... I have... I took a ton of notes. I went to the Q&A. Like, I'm going to be posting something about this the next month or so with all of this detailed stuff um, because it's 
there's just so much and um it, it's fascinating but anyway there's it's just it's like we're scratching the, the surface i mean all this stuff has been around for for a while really it's just that because it's so accessible people are really using it and it is right now is the time where it really is like the wild west because um kids of all ages are starting to use it now for the first time so do I you feel really, it's a really new experience for you like something that you can't explain like you know uh like when touchscreens came about, mm-hmm. you you try and say to someone, "Oh no, it's like a screen, but you touch it and the thing just goes." And you can kind of understand it without doing it. Well, I'll tell you, but there are you don't really get. Do you really, yeah. Is it something that you just, you just can't describe? Um, I think that it's very much. It's very new. I mean, it's mm. so new. I mean, like I said, the the subtitles that were there, like I, I had no interest in like stopping the process because the experience itself was so immersive. I mean, besides yeah. the fact that you do have to kind of breathe through feeling slightly crazy, and supposedly they've made um, fixes for that, like in these newer generations of the goggles, and who knows what will happen next year when they're released for public consumption. So we'll see what state all of that's in. Um, but with regard to the actual immersive experience, um, uh, it's much like um, playing um, like something like Bioshock Infinite, where you have um, mm-hmm. first-person point of view and then, like, this hand that's not yours, but then you sort of, in your mind, make it yours. The difference, though, is Ooh, that you yeah. can um, look all around the room. So, for instance, like, I was playing as the father character, and um, so the father comes to the door or knocks on the door. You're sort of following, you're tailing him. You're almost like a ghost hovering within this character that's a person <laughs> and you can't so, control them but you can look around the room no matter where they right. are right so 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 you have the ability to look around in 360 but you don't have the ability you don't have a controller to like go you you can look around i don't know that it's th- it's not 360 it's basically um it was more like uh like 100 180 degree, or it's like basically the peripheral, however the actor can look around, I mean, it's more like 180, or you could definitely, there are edges to what you could see with this particular setup, and like I said, it was kind of do-it-yourself, so all of that will change, I mean, that's not like a standard thing, right, these are yeah. just, like I said, two GoPro cameras, like, strapped to the actor's foreheads, but um, the difference, though, is that, so you, you're definitely affected by the experience of the character, the actor who's playing a part. So you feel like you're sort of part of that character. And when you look down, you see the character's body. Like I see this man's body, right? And you can look around the room. And and the difference really is, you know, they're still telling a story, but you are inclined to sort of look around and experience the entire room. What what tends to guide you then, and this is something that I brought up at the Q&A afterwards, is, um, you know, you have, like, how do you control the viewer? Because a lot of the ways you would control the viewers are with regard to, uh, to, with light and with, uh, with, um, uh, perspective or like setting up shots and, and, and all, and that kind of yeah. design of the shot is thrown out the window because the viewer has its ability to look around. Instead, you wind up doing something like sound. So, you know, he's like about to burn a casserole. So the oven slams, you're like, whoa, and you look and he's like getting, 
the casserole, you know what I mean? Yeah. To, things like yeah. that are happening, and it's a really fantastic, very interesting thing because then, you know, uh, they touched on this in the Q&A, but, you know, if you say you take the camera and then you move it from that one point on the actor to another location or say you, you it's a free form, then what does that do for the viewer? You know what I mean? Like, besides make them want to throw up. <laughs> like, but you know what I mean? Like, there's just so many well, yeah, things that you we can do. It's brand is- new. It seem it would seem like a bit of a violation to cut. That would probably be too jarring. Right? I don't know. That's the thing. Exactly. So it's all exactly <laughs> like those are questions. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a really fascinating thing. And so yeah, I was experience... so, I was talking to a, a yeah. friend of mine who's trying to develop a, a um, uh-huh. Oculus Rift like, like animation, mm-hmm. and he was asking all these questions as well. And he said exactly what you said about sound. About, yeah. You know, when you're just at home and, you know, there's a knock at the door, you look towards the door, no matter right. where you are. Exactly. So it sounds yeah. going to be like a new, yeah. uh, it's going to have like a yeah. new uh, function. Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, vibrations, like who knows, you know, but. Um, was, what, I've, I've got to ask you, was there a point, mm-hmm. uh, was there any point in the movie where a, um, where another actor looked you dead in the eye. Um, there, yes, the uh, the characters definitely interacted with one another, and again, you feel you feel like you're sort of living two lives. You feel like you're sort of a floating ghost with a person. I'll tell yeah. you something else that happened that was really extraordinary because, like I said, it wasn't crystal clear, but it's still very immersive. And they had the props out there so you could sort of, like, touch the wine glass when he touched the wine glass or touch the forks and knives when he touched them. <laughs> sort of, they help you with the immersive experience. But honestly, it helped ground you. It helped me ground me and make me less queasy. Like, when there was a wine glass, I would touch it and be like okay, I'm, like, I am this character. It was so strange. But listen to this, you guys. So at one point, the father, like, goes downstairs, and he goes and, like, lights a joint or something. And I think it was it looked like a joint. And the fire was a different color, which is interesting, but whatever. I doubt that that was on purpose. But anyway, when he used the lighter, I swear to you, you could feel, I could feel, like, a heat <laughs> from... <laughs> The lighter, which which was just my brain. Okay. okay, yeah. Well, this is like when, you know, we're going to get these new types of filmmakers who would just mm-hmm. understand how to do that weird shit. You know, the phantom exactly. limb stuff. Yep, where, yep. Uh, you know, the, the, you can do that experiment where you have a fake arm. And right. so long as you hide your arm and you look mm-hmm. at the fake arm, if you have someone stab <laughs> the fake arm with a knife. You right. have this momentary um, sensation, and well, and, and that's, like, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I my brain completely. Like, I felt heat. I was like, okay, this is crazy. Was it's it, all this, was like, it mm-hmm. So was it fun to be tricked like that? Yes, totally. No, I mean, I loved it. I I wanted to go back and and watch the movie again as each character. I mean, I would have loved to have done that. And oh, and the God, thing this is, is gonna be you a know, isn't it? It's, <laughs> someone's just gonna disappear. I mean, well, like, it movies, is. T- movies do a pretty good job as it is offering a date. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, hey, fuck all you guys! I'm going to the Bahamas <laughs> on the beach somewhere. <laughs> it is. It is terrifying. Like 
I mean, and again, like, yeah, this is just the sort of pixelated version. I haven't seen a lot of, well, you know, what's interesting is, um, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just describing this all in bits and pieces, but it's just, there's just so much. And um, at the Q&A, like, I did bring up something with the, um, it was cool, too, because I sort of got there earlier, early while another few batches of people were going through the experience, I guess you'd call it, the movie experience. Um, so I got to chat with them a little bit, and, um, you know, I, I asked them, you know, what about, you know, the amount of content that you have to make. And I know we had touched about, touched on the subject a little bit in other podcasts. Uh, you know, I said, to, and they said, well, yeah, actually, you know, it's like a feature length film really that lasts 18 minutes because we have, you know, because of the amount of content we have to create. And, um, but, but, uh, what, and oh yeah, the uh, Johan and, uh, Mads are the two guys who created this. Um, and Johan was saying, uh, the thing is, though, the content itself is so cheap to create nowadays. Like, so as that, there's a price goes down and the availability goes down. He's like, that's why I feel like we're sort of moving in this direction automatically, you know, because we do need to make more content, but we can, you know. And mm-hmm. it's almost like this sort of perfect storm. Um, I mean, I don't think that, you know, traditional movie making is going away or going anywhere. I mean, hell, I don't think film is going, actual physical film is necessarily no, going doesn't. anywhere. No, it, Polaroids it, it, aren't it, it, going it, anywhere. Mm, photography didn't go you know? away. And painting <laughs> didn't go away. But it is definitely, yeah, exactly. Records are still with us. So, I mean, I think that... Um, I do think, though, that this is uh, this. I don't think this is just a flash in the pan or a gimmick. And I've heard that a lot of some. Uh, I was hanging out with a couple of uh, artists. Honestly, I think they were just grumpy because everything's so much cheaper now. They were just, as they were starting all of this stuff, they were paying like twenty thousand dollars for their computer <laughs> setup, and things were taking like three months to render out. You know what I mean? So and now, like a kid can like pick up a phone and a couple of like gadgets and like make something equivalent. But um, I don't think it's a flash in the pan. And I, I mean, uh, unless it winds up causing health problems or something, like even then, I don't know. It's it's just very, very immersive and uh, and cool. I, I, although I don't think there's a lot um, in the way of animation, um, at least from what I've seen, um, uh, for the medium. But I'm definitely looking into that, and I, I'm. You know, reaching out to those guys to uh, sort of let me know if they well, come across. Well, I have a couple of thoughts great. on why that might be, mm-hmm. um, and I actually I might save it because it links in with our main topic. Um, but on the on the subject of um, three sixty videos, mm-hmm. if you have a smartphone, you can actually watch three sixty videos on YouTube. And if your smartphone has a, um, like a, like a gyroscope sort of, mm-hmm. like a compass thing, like, um, right. I, I use my iPhone and it works for that. You can, if you have the YouTube app, there are actually 360 videos on YouTube now where you can, um, play the video and it starts mm-hmm. and then you can tilt the phone and you can right. look up and down. Um, yeah. oh wow. There, well, there are just, quite a few yeah. That's just um, like that Glenn Keane thing. It's the same type of technology, exactly right? Like yeah. Yeah, it's exactly like that. Um, there are some ones of like some some cat cafes in Japan nice. <laughs> where you're on the floor with the cats. Is there like? Yeah, I, I know those things. 
Um, <laughs> and then there's one that's like a that's like a, a flyover of um, a city. I can't remember what city it is. It might be New York. Um, and and it's like it, they've got this 360 camera on the bottom of a um, helicopter, and because it's recorded, you know, 360 degree mm-hmm. uh, uh, field of view. You can look down and you can look up and any way right. you want. It's, well, that, it's, yeah. I mean, isn't that the technology that you use with something like, uh, that Google, uh, Google cardboard thing or any of the other little devices where you can actually hook up your phone to it? I mean, I think that's the kind of, that's a software that they're using in order to right. sort of yeah. facilitate that sort of lower end, uh, VR experience. But did you, Chris, did you see any of those? Little- I'll, we'll post these links on the um, show notes, but did you see there's all these cool studies, too? Um, there were links that I was sort of pointed to after the Q&A um, for that dog, the doghouse event. And they're doing there are all kinds of experiments um, using virtual reality and um, in, in psychiatry. And also um, they're. Uh, on, there's a whole thing on uh, VR and empathy, like because because you can yeah. take 360 degree images of places like around the world. There are people doing this, and then taking those movies and then showing them to influential people or people who are voting on certain. You know what I mean? Like just to give them a more of a sense mm-hmm. of the place and what it is that um, they're making decisions on. It, it's fantastic. I mean. I, I'm, oh, it's so wow. exciting. Yeah, and like, then, what if in the future yeah. you're like incarcerated and you're told, mm. you know, you're going to spend, uh, 17 minutes in, in, in jail. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just, you'll, you'll play a, a video of, I don't know, something that'll make you change your mind. Ooh, <laughs> that's very Black Mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very Black Mirror, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> when there's also the, um, is it, uh, Be the Machine or, I can't remember the name of it. I have to look it up. But, um, there are all these, uh, sort of tests or I don't know what you would call it, experiences where you have people who are wearing, um, the VR goggles and they're seeing the other person who is, are also wearing the goggles and they sort of, um, sit down and figure out what motions they're going to do or, or in some instances, like how much clothing they're going to remove. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so they're looking down and they like touch their own arm, but they're seeing someone else's body. And so Whoa, it's, yeah. um, how wild, right? It's, it's, to... it's going to be so exciting. Yeah. Do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I'm just as excited. <laughs> about us being able to look back on all these comments as quite quaint. Mm. You know, like people <laughs> who are talking about video games like being the new nasty for, um, you know, destroying tiny minds. Like, I'm quite <laughs> excited. I know, seriously, I am quite excited about thinking about, oh, okay, wouldn't it be really cool, you know, a few days, a few years down the line when all of this is kind of blown over and these things are just a part of our lives and Right. We're able to get these cool experiences, but without the sort of, you know, uh, bogeyman, uh, you know, of, of, um, what's it gonna do to society? Sort of oh, looming yeah. over. Well, that happens with every <laughs> new, like, piece of technology yeah, exactly. or medium, I think. It's, yeah. it's, it seems to be a recurring thing in video games for us, at least for our particular generation, was just the next thing on the chopping block. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, yes. I actually, I don't, I got to see, well, I watched the uh, the BBC did a um, a drama, I don't know if you heard about it, 
based on the creation of Grand Theft Auto. Oh, really? Oh, my dear. Oh, God, I watched it. I watched the damn thing. Yeah, it was terrible, wasn't it? <laughs> it's, the it's so... It's really, really shocking. There is... There is... Um, it's like a thing that was made in the, the 90s. It's so heavy-handed. And... Mm. I, don't I mean, before really you know even what get trying to, to do with it, either. No, nor do I. They didn't really have a point. They didn't have a point to make Cause, at all. Because on one that what it's actually about um, is specifically it's about them around that they make San Andreas, <laughs> um, and it's it's doing the story of is Jack was it Jack Thompson the um, the uh, attorney in the state? Yeah, yeah, I heard. That. I remember that story. Went, who went off the lawyer? Yeah, I think he was a lawyer or yeah. something who basically just kind of went after okay. the Grand Theft Auto series. Was like, oh yeah, you're corrupting our youth and blah 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 blah. Mm. In the movie, yeah. in the TV movie, he was painted as a real, um, uh, a really cartoony uh, Christian, uh, someone who who believed in like, oh, they're they're pure ideas and and children shouldn't be doing this sort of thing. And the thing that pissed me off more than anything in the whole film is that there was no point at which anyone told him, even in passing, you know, this wasn't made for children. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> that is what that is what really got me. Yeah, is yeah. Well, like in the whole argument mm. in real life is when people are like. Ah, oh, this is unsuitable for children. <laughs> yes, it is. Going, yes, of course. We know. <laughs> yes. That's why there's yes, an M it's for adults. That's why there's an M on the box. But the, the thing, thing is, it was a, yeah. in the UK. It's it had the big eighteen certificate on the thing. It was obviously not for children. Mm-hmm. Although, you know, having worked in a place that sold video games, I know that a lot of parents did not really take that um, to heart. Right. Like, oh, it's just a game, also, it's all right. Let me tell you, being a, a being a, a, a 15-year-old around the time of these games being <laughs> being released, I was a, a persuasive 15-year-old as well. Right. <laughs> get in the yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying I might have played some before I was actually... Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, but um, the thing that bothered but... me most about the whole film was the fact that... Um, it depicted uh, uh, a scene where a, a boy um, had been playing Grand Theft Auto for, you know, what you could imagine was some time. And him playing the, <laughs> him oh, playing no, the game funny. was filmed like, uh, fuck, it was like reefer madness. It was like, you know, yeah. it, it was filmed like a... It's from like a drug trip for this kid, and then oh he proceeds to like go outside, and it was based on real events, uh, supposedly. And what this kid does is he he um, what does he do? He he he, he rides a car to a police station, or he gets arrested think, or something. He ends up getting. I think he got arrested. Yeah. Okay. He ends up getting arrested because he's joyriding, I think, and then he he um he he kills. Um, you know the he takes, he takes the gun off the cop. He takes and, yeah, he takes the gun off the cop and he he kills the cop and the other cop and all the other cops. You know, on his way out of the police station. Um, oh boy! And then steals the car. 
And the, 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 the problem with the thing is, is that it is filmed as a third person um, scene. So the oh. camera is at a fixed position behind the behind the, um, the character. And as he turns, you know, it turns as it would um, uh, uh, in a video game where it's sort of like wow. a fix to him. And it had like a, it had like a, um, a heads up display, sort of, you know, stars appearing and it was just the corny. Yeah. And yeah. I, it, it was, and I really That's hate it. It, just, <laughs> it had nothing to say. It had nothing to say about anything. Really. Mental it illness. Was, yeah. <laughs> it wanted, or... <laughs> I think it, it wanted to be social network. Um, but it was just, uh, it was nothing. It was not good. And at the same time, it was also trying to go, oh, look, video games are the new rock and roll. Look how cool these people are. Mm. So it's like, yeah. it's really confused as to what is it trying to say? Is it trying to say? Yeah. And then it comes up at the end and it says, studies have been inconclusive as to whether violent video games turn people violent or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what are you trying to say? Are you pro video game violence or are you pro video games yeah. or what and to make it worse Harry Potter did not do any magic whatsoever <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe is the main character oh my actually. god yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Daniel Radcliffe the main character who just like swore a lot and it was quite it just reminded me of his role in extras <laughs> a little bit oh that's funny oh, that I was love great that. <laughs> you know where he's like he's that like, was great yeah hey, hey look I got cigarettes <laughs> that's kind of how I see every role he's done since Harry Potter. It's like, oh, I'm trying, I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to be not Harry Potter, so I'm going to do all the, I'm going to show everyone I'm not just Harry Potter. Yeah. And I just go, why is Harry Potter swearing? I would like to have seen. Where's his glasses, God? I would like to have seen Equus, though, unfortunately, I missed that. <laughs> He was alright in the moment. I thought he was quite good at that. Yeah, I didn't see that either, but I dealt Equus, I bet, was interesting. Anyways. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so we don't recommend that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. That Whoa. is something. Video, Video games. try to make a bit of a segue into our topic referring back to uh, something uh, when Yvonne was talking about the, you know, the, her um, VR experience like a lot, well, the experience you described is really like it might, like I know it's definitely had a, it's like a video game origin because that, well a lot of like what you were describing of seeing uh, through that, that pers- uh, perspective from the character that you were put in the shoes of is uh, something a lot of uh, first-person video games have done, like you said, like Bioshock and uh, mm-hmm. um, and what else? Other games, like a lot of like very a lot of games that take the first-person view, like especially when they're trying not not so much when the player has so much control, but if you're having a scene shot in, from that you know point of view and uh, 
Duquesne, the person who's playing is kind of being taken on a little bit of a cinematic ride of, you know, they don't have, they don't have complete control, but, uh, they're still watching the scene through this perspective. Yeah, it's like when story bit of the first person game where you can look around a bit mm-hmm. and but you're on rails still going on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or yeah like half-life in the beginning of half those, all yeah those yeah exactly. yeah me too <laughs> yeah yeah you sort of like looking around yeah it's a lot like that um so it really sounds like the next evolution of the, of mm. what that was and i the fact that they're taking that idea and trying to do something else with it is really fascinating and exciting and i'm really mm. and I, I really hope like what you were saying that it continues to go beyond that but it really just kind of shows like how far that that particular medium has come not just uh, you know animation animation and storytelling mm-hmm. but just well, in general how we yeah, you I don't know, know starting from just little simple sprites too i mean i don't know how much animation content there really is for vr i don't think there's a lot of it that's really good but as far as the live action stuff is going it's really interesting i mean i think um what, what was fascinating to me is how much um story um but what i was really fascinated by was how much um emotional content and narrative there was in the experience because that was something that i had just assumed wasn't really possible but because you Mm. are experiencing it the story from one person's perspective you really i mean you also felt like you were watching a movie or experiencing someone's time with their family Mm-hmm. Um, through, mm-hmm. you also felt that you were only getting one perspective of the story, that there were other perspectives because you were also riding along like this ghost figure with one of the characters. So it was mm-hmm. very, um, strange, uh, you're sort of thinking about all of this at the same time and following the story and feeling, um, immersed in it. It's a really weird combination of things. Um, in that, in, yeah, go ahead. I think the key difference between what you're talking about and video games mm-hmm. is that, um, and it's, and it's, it's sort of to happen a bit less, I think, video games being a bit more comfortable with just being experiences. But video games traditionally are about objectives and they, right. you know, they are games. Games have an end and they have goals and objectives and there's, there are things distracting you from experiences really yeah and that's so you know it's so so, funny so, that, so with yeah. this vr content there's no obligation to you know um stay on the rails it's right. it's literature it's we're exploring an experience exploring a theme you know right. just playing with ideas and and when you start doing that you can do stories in a way that's slightly less restrictive than something which mm-hmm. is um, based on really traditional ideas of what video games should be, mm-hmm. and it, it's interesting because they're you almost like you're experiencing the event just like you would a dinner party. And they mentioned this in the Q and A. It's so true. Like you're bringing your own personality into the experience because you have this freedom to look around mm-hmm. and this extra freedom to like notice little bits and pieces and details of things. Um, oh right. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, so strange. I'm kind of reminded of the, um, actually, uh, this is, so Guillermo del Toro joined Twitter recently. Mm. And he's, like, suddenly the, the best person ever at Twitter. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he's, 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 seriously, he constantly posts, like, behind the scenes photographs and, like, he, oh. he tweets, like, 
oh, this is one of my favorite ever ghost stories, and it's oh. on Project so you can oh, watch it, so you can read it for free. Um, yes. And the other day, I know. The other, <laughs> so the other day he said, um, you know, there's that ancient Chinese proverb, uh, no man ever stepped, uh, no man steps in the same river twice. And Guillermo del Toro sort of said, oh, you know, I say the same thing about films. You, no person ever watches the same film twice. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's taken to an extreme when you're in a 360 um, you know, degree uh, experience. God, and yes. you can play through that experience as many times as you want and spend different amounts of time, like looking at your lap or looking at the person opposite you or looking just at the centerpiece in the table or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's really not a problem then that they're only 18 minutes long because the replayability is probably quite. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. Yeah, if you talk to someone about it, if you talk to someone else who's played mm-hmm. it or you know been through yeah. it, you'd be like, "Oh, did you see the bit with the cat?" And they'd be like, "What? Well, I didn't see a bit of a cat because yeah. they were watching the other and side." And that's mm. the other thing. And this is something that they brought up. The two guys, Yuan and Mads, brought up uh, is they always want to make sure that there's time for people who have experienced it to talk to one another because that's immediately what you do is you take <laughs> headphones off and go. All right. Well, that was amazing. What did your character see? Like someone played the mother and, you know, she's like looks at herself in the mirror and like there's it's very physical and she's like touching her body and all this stuff. And I mean, that was, you know, I I, my character goes downstairs and and I say my character, you do feel a sense of ownership a little bit because they're acting, too. It's not just a person wandering around. These people are trying to convey something. They're in this moment of mm-hmm. acting, and there's a sense of that as well, which is different from video game, because there's not... Usually the main character is not acting. There might be a little bit of camera movement or whatever, but you're not... Um, you know what I mean? They're not trying to convey something with their hands. They're not... Every gesture doesn't count for something. Usually it's just a hand carrying a weapon <laughs> or a hand depends moving... Depends on the video the game. Depends on the video game or the moment that you're that you're thinking about but uh right, yeah but it's, it's not, not it's not the acting. whole experience it's yeah, not the whole experience yeah you're not you're generally not acting when you're playing the main character as a video game like there might be moments but these guys are actually wow acting yeah. their parts with the glasses i mean everything they do is totally completely intentional the way they reach for something all of that is is uh is uh you know Powered mm-hmm. by their, you know, emotional whatever they bring to it, like as an actor, and that's totally part of the experience too. Um, uh, I wanted off a little bit, but <laughs> anyway. No, yeah. you're you're just like completely. I'm really um, excited. <laughs> my mind is just like spidering off into like I know, yeah. It's all these questions crazy. I want to ask about about how <laughs> these things are made and like. Are they going to be a new? Is there going to be like a new type of actor who's like exactly. really some somewhere in between, like a cameraman and an actor, and right. they really understand how to command, you know? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I know the timing of how they're acting. Like you act to the camera. Well, what about acting with the camera? You know, yeah. another really crazy thing is that they watched the actual footage live and they talk to the to each other through the actors because they had the headset and they had the eyes of the actors isn't that crazy the actors were a conduit for the two directors 
<laughs> Messed up. I know. It's like, like <laughs> that was the mind blowing sound. The, um, crazy. <laughs> yeah, something crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so, I've re- see, yeah. The, uh, the point I wanted to make earlier about animation <laughs> in all of this is mm-hmm. that. Okay, so I don't know too much about animation and video games, Yvonne, and I think you know a little bit more than I do, so maybe you can help me out as I'm sort mm-hmm. of thinking out loud here. But, you know, uh, in in movies, a shot only has to last so long. Mm-hmm. And, and typically, actually, also, uh, animated movies have shorter average shot lengths than live-action mm-hmm. movies. Because there's something about animation where it's like, it's a marathon. You know, animating, um, right. a long shot is really grueling. Even if there's not much, you know, even if it's not a technically difficult shot, it becomes difficult just because of how long it is and because you have to, yeah, like I've said, it's a marathon. So with that in mind, it would then probably follow that there isn't that much animated content. Because of the amount animation of isn't used. <laughs> Sorry, the amount of content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, aside from you know, like uh, idle animations in in video games, there's not too much in way in the way of um, sustained, you know, held shots in animation. Yeah. I'm not. I don't really think. Yeah, no, uh, totally. I, I mean, that's a thing. I mean, that's why I, um, you know, I, I went up to the uh, the moderator, um, Story Code. He's the head of Story Code. I can't remember his name offhand. But anyway, um, and asked him, you know, if he had seen much in the way of animated content. And, and just, yeah, it's just not happened yet. I mean, I'm sure that it will. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the quality right now, I mean, I, actually, I followed it. There's one company that's sort of leading the way or whatever, but um, a lot of the content's not that great. But um, okay. I'll keep my eye open. There are, there are exactly. Like, that's part it, of the problem. Um, yeah. yeah. You there, know, there it's funny. Trying mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah. There's an uh, 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 animation studio in London called The Line. And they recently had a, an mm-hmm. event, made a VR um, experience, sort of slash movie. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to think yeah. of a good word for that because VR experience sounds so 1992. I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> um, and I know, I know, you know, I uh, all of my animator friends are just like trying to get hold of um, right. the devs, and they yeah. keep having is um, people are excited. It's it's coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are definitely demos, but um, like you said, I mean, basically, it's. A, I think the challenge is just the amount of energy that it takes. It's just easier to um, film with a, a camera, I think, um, and do the live action stuff for sure. Um, what was I gonna? Yeah, the demos look pretty cool. I, I'm I'm really curious to see some of those. Like you know, there was that one, the Game of Thrones. Um, wall, you know, where you like sort of go up to the wall. That's supposed to be really great. Oh, one thing I was going to mention, I had this sort of, I don't know if it's an argument, but this one fellow I was talking to who was a little disgruntled by the whole VR thing, like, it's a fad, it's a fad, it's going to go away. I was like, okay. But he was like, we're going to, we bottleneck with the technology because you're not going to get the, the, you're not going to be able to stream all that content. No one's computers are going to be able to handle it. I don't know. That was his, take on okay. it I, 
I don't know. Um, but the thing is, like, there are also games like, and I'm not, I don't really understand this enough to really be able to fit this together fully in like a nice puzzle piece. But um, you know, did you guys see anything about that game, No Man's Land? That's coming nope. out. It's supposed to be all. It's a group of a group of ten guys, and um, recently the you know um, Stephen Colbert took over the Late Show, um, and he's had almost every week um, one at least one game developer designer on, which is pretty awesome. And um, nice. but this guy is a group of I know a group of like ten people, and they've created this game exploration game that. Um, it would be impossible to explore. Like, if you tried to explore the entire game, like, you could be able to do it before our own son uh, died. Oh, is that Oh, not Dice in No Land, I meant No Man's Sky. That's hilarious. Right. But, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Up in yes. the sky, not on the land. But anyway. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so you know I'm saying No Man's Sky, not land. But um, that content supposedly, and again, I have to look at the details because I don't really um, understand it fully. But um, it's like your your computer is kind of doing all of the content building, like the data streams in. So you're not going to get like uh, that sort of sluggish lag time for streaming content and something in the way that you would say if you went on Second Life. So I mean, I can imagine like maybe something like that would sort of solve the problem um, of content. But I, you know, I mean, those are whole virtual worlds that are. Um, impossible to imagine the size of that are would, would be able to be supposedly created, right? And not have any kind of lag time or issues. So I, I can imagine, um, you know, maybe something like that would be incorporated into VR. People are going to figure it out. And and also, mm-hmm. I think, also with with VR, I would imagine in the early days, people are going to be okay with quite rudimentary graphics. Actually, yeah, no, kind maybe. of, kind of, it's kind of links into our. Um, our general discussion that we're headed towards with animation video games. <laughs> I think with things like Minecraft and mobile games being really popular nowadays, I I would probably... I, it's quite a bold thing to say. I would say that, you know, we've probably reached the peak of realist... Uh, of interest in realistic graphical representation. Yeah. And I, we're kind of... I think there's two there's two things I think going on at the same time. Right. I think there there's at once the games industry is sort of two industries now mm-hmm. almost. Mm. There's there's the triple A okay. high budget games that cost millions of dollars Sony, Microsoft you know Nintendo, just you know the really big companies making the the big high end AAA games, and then there's the indie. Mm. Yeah, I am I am going like, to need my handheld as I walk through this talk because I am a filthy casual, and I <laughs> people no, there's would... nothing wrong with being a casual gamer. <laughs> nope, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. That, yeah, that is no technically kidding. still gaming. Yeah, that just means you're, yeah. That's healthy. That's healthy gaming. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't want to like. I mean, my God. So, Vaughn, you wanted to talk about um, a game you've been playing recently. Uh yes. Wait. Yeah. Um, until dawn, I, I checked that out. Uh, Sony Computer Entertainment. 
um, super massive games. I played it on PlayStation 4 when I was a little bit um, down and out with the with a cold. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's funny because it's sort of, Dan, you were touching on some things that really, um, I don't know, like it was, it was like, I kept thinking about this game because it's super, it's the best looking game I've played um, as far as like um, use of materials go. And, um, you know, they have a lot of, uh, the, the people in the game are sort of, um, more well-known uh, actors. The girl from the blonde-haired woman from Heroes. Um, oh, right. I can't remember her name. She's always yeah, always had, had the word Hay- expression. Hayden Pen. I can't pronounce her last name. Yes. Her first name's Hayden Pen. Yes. The, the cheerleader. Yes. 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 The one who had an egg for a snack. <laughs> oh my gosh. She did that in an what? episode of Heroes, and I was just, I just. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, she's like the main character, so she's got her worried expression on through most of it. But anyway, um, and is it performance capture? Yes, hopefully. for sure. Yeah, it's all um, motion capture, and you know, and all of that is uh, as it usually is. I suppose it's a little bit more detailed in some ways, but um, you know, you always have this like starts and stops and stuff, and you can definitely tell it's motion capture. Um. The story itself, you know, they they talk about the butterfly effect and how you, it's um, replayable and how um, it's sort of the game changes based on your um, decisions, mm-hmm. much like Heavy heavy Rain, which I never played and I totally want to one of these days if I can ever get my hands on it. I um, had a chance or, to play that Heavy Rain, it was, and it, oh, it is yeah, worth playing yeah. at least once. I so want to play that. Um, I, yeah, oh, I so want to play that. But like, or Indigo Prophecy is another one. Um, mm-hmm. But Jason. it was a great game. But um, but yeah. So I mean, there's an element of that. But I have to say, I mean, you know, I feel like a lot of the games that I played recently, ex- excluding the sandbox games, which I love the most. Um, but you know, all these games that are sort of linear. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just me, or maybe it's just that I've been spoiled. But <sighs> They do, it's almost like, and Dan, you touched on this, they are more experiences. It's at least the few that I've played, they seem like more experiences and less, like, there was always something like a puzzle or something you had to, like, figure out or, or, I don't know. To me, they seem, a lot of these games seem more like just interactive movies more, which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And this game definitely has um, elements of, like, campy horror movies. But but there are some things that I, I mean, it got, it seems to have gotten really great reviews everywhere that I looked. I didn't read all the reviews, but I just, based on the star ratings and stuff, it didn't seem like there was too much negative. Um, the many people are very many negative things to say about it, but I, I didn't think that the um, storyline was all that fantastic. I mean, um, one of the writers wrote that um, movie um, Wendigo or Wendigo or however you say it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it was interesting. It was definitely interesting. It was definitely entertaining. It was definitely a beautiful-looking game, but um, I was I felt critical of, um, of one thing in and it, it kind of hurt me a little bit, hurt my heart, because I <laughs> there were elements <laughs> where you had the um, the Wendigo or Wendigo um, bad monster characters, and the animation was just kind of shitty for those characters. Mm-hmm. So it's like you had this like motion capture, and all that's fine. I have nothing against motion capture, 
and like I said, it was very beautiful looking, and it, it had a lot of really. And there were times when I was playing it, and I was just like, ah, oh, ah, oh, you know, like run and, or doing that. It's like Simon Says thing, right? Where you're like, like X zero or X square circle right, X right. quick time right? events, quick time events. That's what those are called. Is that yeah? It's, I just mm. it's like Simon Says, <laughs> and I'm just. But I don't know. I mean, and all those are really fun and everything, and um, they definitely like add to the. But uh, it's just been done a lot before, and um, but then when you see the main characters, and it suddenly it looks like, you know, stop motion, <laughs> and then the um, the times when the um, the the monsters are supposed to, are slowed down a little bit, and then you see like, oh yeah, well, the poses aren't even there. <laughs> like it's just A to B, and there's like nothing in between, <laughs> and it's like they, you know, they can just get away with it, I suppose. But it um, it was it just bugged me, bugged me big time because you spend so much money in a game like that and you think like i don't know there are just some big holes it's the same thing that bugs me when i see a really um high budget movie you know i'm just like why wasn't well, that worked out that's you know? that's the parallel that unfortunately with expensive games you kind of have to live with you know like the yeah. most expensive movie are not going to be the most interesting thing they're going for the four quadrant audience Mm-hmm. They they're gonna be the lowest common denominator thing because they have to reach as many people as possible. Right. You know they're going for the widest audience, so it's unfortunately probably gonna the trap of being, you know, either something that you've seen before or something which, you know, doesn't have much of a voice or do you yeah. know what I mean? It's gonna have those same sort of problems that. that it just you, bugged me, but then I mean, you look at like The Last of Us that. That mm-hmm. was a beautiful game. I mean, well, there's a bit of a different thing, but well, it's not. Huge. It's not mm-hmm. really. What, 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 at least from my perspective, um, mm-hmm. because uh, at least from what you're saying, because I've only I've never played this um, the uh, Until Dawn, so I really because you can't really understand. I'm 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 the opinion uh, that you really can't understand a game unless you've actually played it yourself. But you're uh, if, if you're <laughs> it's comparing it to you say that it's really interesting you say that in the case of this particular game because. As I understand it, it's pretty much just an interactive movie. Mm-hmm. Like, like oh, Heavy Rain. That's how I was, because I, when I played Heavy Rain, that was more or less the experience that I got. Um, yeah, and I can't it, help but think, like, if you just watch one of those Let's Play videos of this game, whether you wouldn't just about get the, get same, the same experience. experience. Yeah, I mean, your heart rate goes up a little bit, but you know, another thing okay. is that there's so many different characters and you switch around from one to the next and, I had no, I mean, you have, there's a, you know, you take a game like, say, um, Life is Strange, and you mm-hmm. you really care about the characters, and you care what happens, and, and there's no puzzles in that game either that aren't, that don't take you more than half a second to solve, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's just really another, like, interactive movie, but you care, and, um, and, I mean, The Last of Us is way more playable as far as, like, there's more of a game. Um, there are more game elements, I think, involved. But um, again, you care about the characters, and and um, with Until Dawn, you kind of just like, what's well, like, who's gonna die next? Like, you kind of don't care. Like, at least I didn't. Like, I could care less. <laughs> is it because <laughs> that's actually a... like whiny teenagers? Like, you would get. Yeah, is it just like basically the movie equivalent of yeah. <laughs> where you Kinda. wouldn't really care about those characters right. anyway? Right, so that part didn't really bother me so much. Like I, you know, I didn't mind. It was still fun. Like it was fun. It was fun. It's just that, you know, again with the, 
monster animation. I was like, oh, why? And then, you know, <laughs> you take a game like that and you compare it to, like, oh, I played a little bit of Soma on PS4, um, and that got really high reviews. And, uh, and that's way more of, like, puzzle shooter Okay. Head game, <laughs> like horror tries survival. to mess with you. Yeah, yeah, which is totally different deal. So I mean, that's just see the impression that I I get, and something that I've I've heard as a criticism of games for a while, pretty much, um, is that they've so basically, if you look at the history of video games, they started off being you know um, games. Pong or, you know, know, Mario Brothers, they were experiences that you could only really have as a game. Mm -hmm. And then when they Mm, graphically got a bit more sophisticated... Yeah, except for the text-based games. Don't forget those. Those are big, important. Sure, okay. Fair enough. Um, (laughs) But once they sort of got a bit more graphically sophisticated, Mm -hmm. they started feeling like they were the... Um, you know the uh, uh, the not as good poor relation. Sorry, poor relation. Poor relation. That's exactly what I was looking for, Chris. Thanks. Um, yeah, the poor relation of movies, and um, it seems like there are a few. There, I mean, there are a few games that I've played recently which really seem like a turning point away from that, and. I, I think it's an important thing for games to try to do, because the thing with like Until Dawn, and I've seen a few um, like videos of it. There isn't much about it which I think a movie couldn't do this. Right. And right. it still uses all the conventions of movies. It uses like cutting and mm-hmm. lighting in exactly the same way that movies do to right. draw your it's attention very... to things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very cinematic. I mean, but that's the thing. Like, I found myself almost longing for, like, older puzzle games. Like, I, you know, like, even, like, something yeah. like The Longest Journey, which um, was, or Grim Fandango. I've mentioned that game all the mm. freaking time in these podcasts. I love Grim Fandango. But, <laughs> I know, me too. Like, that one was just, like, a changer, like, game changer for me. But, um <laughs> but like I found my, and then I was just I would I would think like why am I longing for these puzzles like and some of them were goofy goofy puzzles you know what I mean like you take the duck and you right add, they might be goofy puzzles <laughs> but, but they are games and, yeah. and I think yeah. the the important thing is it's it's like you know um, sometimes you can read comics and you can tell oh this person just wants to be making movies Mm, interesting. And sometimes you read comics and you go, oh, this is a really good comic. It's not afraid or ashamed of being a comic. Mm. It doesn't want to be a movie. It's embracing its medium. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's kind of, for me, where good video games tend to happen when they really Mm -hmm. embrace all the conventions and the apparent limitations of video games. When they successfully tell an, or create an experience or tell a story through using that medium's, uh, like, specialty, like, ways of telling that story through gameplay, through interactions, through uh, player yeah. choice, and so on and sure. so forth, as sure. opposed to having cutscene after cutscene after cutscene telling you the story that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Because once you, pl- when, cause when you're 
experiencing it through through gameplay, it becomes much more personal. Ah, right. right. And that's where something like this war of mine is freaking fantastic. This like, war of mine is phenomenal. Amazing game because it, it does just that. And that's what, like, that I mentioned Prison Architect uh, when we started the podcast. That has similar kind of quality. Like, it gets in your head because you're playing the game, you're moving these little characters around in this sort of, like, um, third-person architectural view. Um, it, it's um, supplemented them. <laughs> they have cutscenes with the little ball characters, <laughs> like, little round, little bulby things. And then it's uh, accentuated with these uh the story is emotionally accentuated punctuated let's say by um these graphic uh drawings <laughs> to mm-hmm. kind of like pull you in and give it more of emotional value i suppose um and voice acting and stuff but um but yeah the thing that gets in your head is and it, it kind of slips in through the side door where you're like playing this game constructing prisons going what the hell am I doing? Like, mm-hmm. people are supposed <laughs> to live in these small quarters. Like, this is horrendous. Like, what a horrible idea this is. Oh, wait, this is actually what's happening in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Same same idea with this war of mine. And mm-hmm. even to a more uh, also interesting, it's another video game I played uh, way, uh, a couple, a while back. It was um, called Papers, Please. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of it. Ooh. I, I Ooh. love that game. That's another one of those games where it's it's basically you know it's sending a message and also telling us someone something of a story through gameplay and I think that that's a really powerful thing that uh, it, it, you know it's all yeah it's yeah. all centered around the decisions that you're forced to make mm-hmm. when you are in the situation where right. you're either up against the time you're you're either up against the clock or you're being you have supervisors and you're being mm pressured into doing certain things and I think actually you know what you were saying earlier about empathy Yvonne mm-hmm. kind of comes into it then where you kind of you start to play around with empathy in a way in which you you can't so much with movies or with even with um, like novels because not you're anymore. Right. observing you know you're you're not an observer you are the doer you and I and, and for me I always go back to like just because it's it's the easiest thing for me to understand, I, I think what you know, like Tetris has a narrative, <laughs> and and you're kind of you are the, the entity, you know, you are the Tetris master of of the thing deciding. Okay, I'm going to turn the block then, or I'm going to turn it now, or I'm going to. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I think even something like that kind of. Um, encapsulates everything that games can do. Um, do you think we're living in a society today that is going to need video games to teach us empathy <laughs> in the wake of um, YouTube comments and and violence via Facebook? And <laughs> I wouldn't say well, I think... it would be yeah, it'd be too far off from you know. Or that'd be that'd be I'd be at least seeing some interested seeing something like that. Interesting. <laughs> Um, tying into, uh, to the schedule, like, you know, versus, like, cinematic video games mm-hmm. and turning versus, um, you know, telling a story through gameplay, would it be, um, because, you know, video games have various, you know, genres, you know, you've got your science fiction, you've, you know, like, just, like, kind of like movies, but they, um, 
you know, it, they're definitely tailored to different play styles, like first person um, mm-hmm. versus um, RPGs versus platformers versus, you know, what whatever, what have you. Um, would you, would any of you think that um, particular animation styles in video games, like, say, sprites or, you know, high definition, you know, very realistic looking graphics, mm-hmm. would you say that maybe that certain animation types are better suited for game, like particular gameplay or uh, uh, telling a certain story for different, like for different genres. Like I would say like, at least with my experience with uh, um, RPGs or specifically JRPGs, I found that like sprite uh, animated or at least like, you know, kind of a bit more uh, yeah. smaller yeah. focus for JRPGs. Mm-hmm. Are a lot more fun and effective than say like the big budget. You I was going to say exactly 3D. the same. Mm-hmm. I completely yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it has something to do with in those sorts of games, the items that you have and the turn-based strategy is kind of more important than the world that you're really walking through. Mm-hmm. It's not about you know the landscape. It's about just finding things that click together and, oh, I'm collecting mana points and, you know, leveling leveling up by using turn-based. I I was thinking actually about this earlier today in relation to the most popular RPG, Pokemon. I mean, you could probably... Ah, yes, Pokemon. I remember for years and years, they didn't even have animation for the attacks. Um, no, yeah. There were no, no idle animations for the, for the for the Pokemon. They were just still images, mm-hmm. and and yet you were so invested in what was happening because yeah. it wasn't relying on the animation for um for the tension, you know, in the no, game. It yeah. was relying on the nature of the game. It was relying on. Um, I think you know, so that I think that um. A lot of that though has to do with what's readily available so too because then if you take the if you take a look at um mm-hmm. and I mentioned this before, but like the World of Warcraft um pet fighting <laughs> little yeah. mini games is sort of a similar type thing. It's probably yeah. almost directly copying <laughs> that mm-hmm. exact thing where it's like a turn based game based on um uh talents and points and and, um, you know, ranking and all of that stuff. Um, it's super effective. And, okay. um, but that's, you know, the thing with that is, you know, you have like Blizzard <laughs> who does extremely, like, amazing animation. And, um, they're yeah. all, that's all, it's all, the whole world's already set up. So they're, they're just doing like, it's like a mini game taking all of those aspects and then just kind of applying them to something that they're already doing hey, well. Hey, Evan, Evan, yes? Evan. I don't think you realise the great joke that you... Oh, I didn't. What did I do? That's <laughs> it. Well, you said about it being super effective. Oh. That's, that's like Pokemon I thing. I fainted. It was amazing. Oh. You didn't, I had you no, had no idea. idea. I didn't catch that. <laughs> no. It's just, you happened to use that phrase, that exact phrase, <laughs> and that's a Pokemon thing. That was, was amazing. I was Yeah, it, <laughs> Yeah, if it was intent, we we should we, we? It was an intent. It was intentional. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Just so the listeners at home know, that was completely intentional. Totally. 
amazing. But hey, uh... hey, what, what, what about this? So, um, are people familiar with uh, Scott McCloud's um, sort of chart of abstraction and projection? Hmm. So, Scott McCloud, who who wrote Starbucks. Understanding Comics, um, he. It's, it's, oh, right, it's yeah. been described elsewhere, but I, he's always my go-to for describing this phenomena. Basically, if you have a smiley face, that represents more people than a realistically rendered image. So, mm-hmm. considering characters in, 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 he uses the example of comics, if you have, you know, a very realistically rendered, um, uh, drawing of a of a you know of a middle aged white guy with with black hair and you know it, that that image only represents so many people you know it look it could look similar it could look like your uncle it could look like your friend but it doesn't it's kind of you know it stops at representing I don't know women or children oh, I I'll tell you what that plays into mm-hmm. when you hear when you hear people say it, West, you hear Western people say, "Oh, why do the characters in anime look white?" <laughs> yeah, they, go, they they yeah, don't. You you're just they just don't. You're projecting. They don't look like anything. They don't look like real people. You're yes. projecting. Japanese people don't watch it. Oh, why are all the characters in our anime white? <laughs> they don't see it. But like yeah. it, in it, but then at the other end of the scale, you have Charlie Brown, who is mm-hmm. popular because. So many people go, oh, that's me. Yeah, I'm a small boy. I'm a... <laughs> With a lot of self-image like... problems. You know, this is the thing. You know, you can project onto him a lot more easily than you can, say, um, Archer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can so also, in, in, yeah. In relation to video games, when you look at that, when so when you apply that to Pokemon and World of Warcraft... Pokemon is kind of, you could say that's just as immersive in a really abstract way. Because no, nobody is just a head with like feet poking out and a hat. And, you know, and then when they're riding a bike, it just looks like they've got wheels coming out of them. And <laughs> all that from isometric angles. And when you walk into a house, it's like a TARDIS and it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. You, it, it's it's not it's that's that's involving because it's the idea of going into a house and it's kind of like reading a book where you're not really dealing with the experience of you know walking inside a house in a book it's an abstraction mm-hmm. so i think that's probably why those games still work and they're not completely laughable because on some level we understand that the abstract the, the abstract forms are kind of describing something. Well, they're archetypes. They're archetypes that yeah that are are relatable. Yeah. That, yeah. So I I, I think that's, sure. that's that's why as video games have you know um, uh, developed and um, gone really sophisticated with graphical representation. People still play games which have, um, you know, comparatively rudimentary graphics. Yeah, I, I mentioned this because I actually I'm in the middle of playing 
one of those or one of those like older games. Uh, and I'm actually really close to finishing it. It's um, called uh, it's a little. Uh, it was a Konami developed game called uh, it was part of a series called Suikoden. Uh, I'm in the middle of playing the sequel, which was uh, it's was I believe is supposed to be one of the better rated uh, at least in general. Like a lot of people who've played it really like this game. And, um, and one of the things that I noticed, I mean, it definitely had more, like, various, like, character animations than its predecessor, which had little to none. Like, it would say you had a moment where, um, you know, you enter a scene and you'll have a character react to your presence and then you'll have this little animation as, you know, as you're having the conversation or the dialogues passing by. And... I'm finding myself, like, on top of that and the rest of the gameplay, I'm finding myself getting much more emotionally invested in this story and these characters with just this, you know, the gameplay and the animation versus something, you know, like, say, Final Fantasy XIII. Mm. Right. I mean, except Mm. that, I mean, one interesting thing is that, yeah, you can take, like, these simpler graphics and project things upon them, right, and and Mm -hmm. relate to them. And basically, you're using your imagination the same way, right, the best graphics card in the whole world, even still, like, your your brain, right? So it's like reading the book or sort of um, projecting upon these simpler graphics. But, I mean, I would also argue that... um, like first person perspective does the same kind of thing. Like like yeah. Fallout Fallout, which I can't freaking wait for, um, which is supposed to be released next month. I am um, so excited for that too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, I mean that's you get completely immersed and part of the reason is that you only see like an arm you know, or, 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 well, at least when I play it, I play it first person perspective, right. like, you know what I mean? So it's just like me and the camera. Oh, they, are, they the yeah, one, they, they, they understand this stuff. I, I, I think that's why Portal so mm. popular. Because yes. the main character doesn't speak. And, right. you know. That goes, that goes back to, like, Zel- that's, I was, I was about, I was about to bring up, like, mm. um, Zelda. Oh, yeah. Like, the cat, Link. like even even to this point, Link doesn't mm. speak. And also, you can rename Link, and you can name the horse. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So that's that's yeah. like giving the giving you an extra layer of oh, that's huge. Suikoden yeah. did that too. Suikoden did that too. Every most mm. every single main mm. character in, in uh, the Suikoden series, as far as I know, you could name them anything you wanted. Well. I mean, they had like manga adaptations later where they did give the characters actual names and those are considered the canon names but as part of the interactive experience you could literally name them anything you wanted and while the dialogue choices were limited there was you know the only time your character got to talk is when you had a little dialogue bubble would pop up and you would select what you wanted the character to say or a choice that you wanted them to make it's it's kind of the thing that um you know certain filmmakers say where they say oh you know the film isn't complete until the audience watches it, and they fill in the gaps for themselves. Mm-hmm. You used to get that with RPGs, where before voice acting, yeah, you would have to kind of create the character a little bit. It was it was it was it was created in as much as there was you know a representation of this person of of, of, a, of a character and. Their dialogue was written in a certain way to convey the character, but the fact that there wasn't a voice actor had its own special thing going on, where you were involved in a way that you weren't just passively 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, listening to someone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, speaking of, yeah, geez, talk about being like, <laughs> I was just thinking, I, you know, I can't wait until we have the VR goggle, which, by the way, I'm totally buying those HTC Valve the Valve version of that. Oh, wow. <laughs> as yeah. soon as it's available. Yeah. But um, to be to play like Fallout 4, that's I mean, insane. talk about an immersive experience. I mean, the mm-hmm. content that's generated, like it's all automatically an open world and you're already like moving around in sandbox mode. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you can move anywhere mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much in the game. Like it seems like it's those kind of games are sort of set up for that already. Like, I'm not even sure what the limitations would be, right? Yeah. It's part of the thing with this, uh, uh, like you said, developing medium like this is there's always going to be something new and a new way that a developer can push, uh, you know, the boundaries of what, you know, the medium's been capable of until now. Yeah, but I mean, you sort of already do that. It's just the difference is that you're limited by one screen. I mean, apart from loading times i mean maybe that's the big factor is just loading and processing content at a certain speed so that you can but you're already able to look around right? yeah 360 degrees within yep. the within the uh video game environment mm-hmm. and you're already um in sort of first in a perspective where you know you have i mean i guess the controllers would have to be updated i guess so mm-hmm. Because you can't look at the controller. Well, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily have to look at the controller, but you know what I mean. Like, you you sometimes wind up doing it with like with more complicated games. Um, yeah, and even even people who are learning to play, you know, video games, you know, early on, like they're still, you know, they'll they'll need reference points when it comes mm-hmm. to like having, you know, knowing how to do what the game needs you to do when it needs you to do it. Sometimes. You can't really do that wearing goggles necessarily, but yeah, you know, that's the only thing I could think of that would be a, the limitation. Besides, maybe like I said, like the you know graphics being um, streaming or content maybe having to be created faster. What were you going to say, Chris? I was going to say that um, Sony uh, doing their yeah. own VR PlayStation oh, that's VR, right. aren't they? Yeah. Um, so that's obviously going to be more pushing that. That in the games mm-hmm. area. Yeah, I mean the the yeah. Yeah. I, I, I Steam one just got really good reviews. That's why I'm yeah, like, that's sort of the, leaning towards the one that I'm, one. That people seem most excited about, and mm-hmm. the one that also there has been the most creative sense of developing uh, a creative tool is 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 the Valve one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sort of leaning towards that. And then Facebook will, will be taking over. <laughs> Facebook and Oculus are married, I guess. I don't know what well, Facebook are going to get out of that. Oh, we'll be in each other's living rooms. I think that's what's going to be happening. And sex day. You, you can poke people <laughs> in, in, in three dimensions. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. People can Great. go poke, poke. <laughs> God. And people, and people, ha- and Facebook will have even more blackmail material. Yeah, <laughs> as people yeah. are having virtual sex. Then there will another. be no privacy. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you know, there's this whole other thing that I saw just to add on to it, which is mind blowing, and that's um, 
at um, I went to an event that was um, in part sponsored by uh, Seagraph, and I was talking to a guy from there, and, and um, he touched on some of the recent conferences. He had some videos or whatever examples of new technology that was going on. I think it was like Seagraph Japan. I can't remember the name of the actual event, but um, they're using um, one of the tests they were doing was with um, uh, uh, shoot us. Uh, um, I want to say sonogram. That can't be right, is it? No. The What's the name of it? The, what bats use? <laughs> sonar? sonar. Sonar. So what? So they're using these um, sonar waves to create um, the feel of, of an object that doesn't exist in space. <laughs> so someone would have an object. Oh I know, right? How does okay. that go with the virtual reality? It, okay. Like immediately, exactly. You know what I mean? So someone has an object, puts it in one box, and the next box, um, there's a camera that views where that object is, and then those waves are created like around it, and the other person puts their hand in the other box, and they feel and can push away the object. Hmm. So that, I mean, of course, that goes together directly with the virtual reality experience. <laughs> that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. We're so desperate. Like, not to get to whatever, but we're so desperate to like recreate human interaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when you take the village away. <laughs> we're all like, floating around <laughs> in our little brain, in our little bubbles, and we're like desperately want human interaction. Yeah. That's where the porn industry always leads the way in everything. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's our deep need for human uh, contact. Sad. So sad. (laughs) Uh, At least we have storytelling. (laughs) Yep, storytelling. We're in more about it. Um. Speaking of which, I've I've really got into like terrible. Ah, yes, um, those are awesome. <laughs> I uh, the first one I discovered was yes, The Walking Dead. So one, good, uh, which which is brutal <laughs> on is. so it many really levels. Is. It's yeah. just the whole the whole thing where you just have to make decisions, oh. like and they they give you those decisions where save this person or <laughs> save that person. There isn't. There, you know, you you have to make a call that, and you just have to make the call mm-hmm. right there. You can't pause like, it. <laughs> no, they will make it for you. And then, and I also followed it up with the. the that Wolf was Among my personal Us. favorite. Really? Hmm. Yeah, that was. I liked that as well. Um, I know I've I've been playing the Game of Thrones. Oh, nice. Yeah, so have I. Um, I'm yeah. on episode five. Yeah. I always yeah five because there's going to be six in total. So I think I'm on, on yeah I'm on five right now. Yeah, I've just recently finished three. I'm a bit behind. I was like, oh yeah, I've got. You don't try not to spoil anything. They're all out there. I didn't care yeah. for the artwork in that game. Oh jeez, I just scared myself. <laughs> a cord fell down on my head, and I was like, there's nothing climbing on me. Um, <laughs> that's really scary. Um, anyway, um, I I didn't care for the uh, the. So, 
look of the Game of Thrones um, game, and it sort of it bugged me enough that um, I couldn't really get through it. And I, The Wolf Among Us, oh, like wow. I don't know why, but that one just bugged me. Like the writing bugged me. I mean, I'm gonna give them another chance though because I loved the Walking Dead games. I mean, they just slayed me. Mm-hmm. Like, I've yeah, only done the first I, one, they but... love. I love those, but and so I was maybe my. Um, I don't know. I guess I was maybe expecting more or something. I don't. I just couldn't get into those other two. Um, but I have them, so maybe I'll give another shot since you guys really, really. Yeah, the um, Wolf Among Us is since it was you know I don't, you probably know it's it's based off um the Fables comic. That it, I think it was the the game was definitely trying to go for more of the style of the comic. I think, mm-hmm. and you know just how the way it was looked and presented and uh, even the gameplay was yeah. more of just kind of aligned with, like, with that particular story that the comic created. And That's I just, I'm, I'm a big fairy tale person, so when I get to see this, like, really interesting take on all these different fairy tale characters that we already know, yeah. that, you know, I've grown up with, and it's, I just really fascinated me to no end, and I just really wanted to see what was going to happen next, and how much more of this world, or this new, like, like, setting that these fairy tales had to adapt to, yeah, how that, they were going to yeah. handle that next. I definitely got that part. I just I don't know what it was. It just didn't really connect. I mean, because I mean, I I I'm with you. I mean, I I definitely thought the concept was cool, really cool, but um, I, it just it lost me. I was just I don't I was just like I wanted more. I felt there was something lacking, and then um, I don't know why I was so picky with those two. I guess it's just because I like the um, Walking Dead. Um, Probably so much. Some- you know that that's what i'm guessing but mm. i i think pretty much across the board everyone ranks the walking dead as the top the top one they've done i think but i you know when i i'm ha- i want to play more mm-hmm. of those games in different different universes yeah. or whatever cuz um the game of thrones one uh yeah. i've read the book watched the well watched the tv series and so it's interesting to get you get a different mm-hmm. perspective. It's ob- it's obviously more inspired by the TV series right. than the books. So they got the actors and everything. They got the TV series actors. Yeah. yeah. I was I was a bit worried when I heard about that game because right. I thought mm-hmm. accents, accents, because as amusing as <laughs> some American versions <laughs> of British accents can be, I I did you know I thought. It could be a bit right. painful. Well, <laughs> well, Peter Dinklage doesn't even try. He just does like standard stage speak. <laughs> but it's about 90, I think about like 90, 95% of the accents are actually, oh, that's, that's perfectly decent. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> There's the odd one where I go, uh, what? Is that supposed to be Australian? <laughs> <laughs> Good day, mate. <laughs> What was the thing we Chris were we watching something last week where there was a dodgy accent and it was a were we talking about something last week? How to train your dragon Uh, with dodgy accents? No, you can cut this part out. I'm just (laughs) there was something that I was watching this week where there was a there was a cast and like some people were English and there was like one person in the middle who was doing a a hokey like. English accent. Mm, I can't think of it. Wow, what a boring thing to bring up. So, I haven't actually seen... (laughs) I haven't actually played these games. um, Actually, any of these Telltale games. 
do they all use motion capture? Not really. I'm um at least not. They haven't gotten to that point yet. But it's more of like um. No, it's motion would... capture. You sure? Yeah, yeah. It's motion capture. It's motion capture and and CG. It's like a tune. They do like maybe not so much. I can't actually remember with the um, Wolf Among Us. I think that's more like flat two D. Um, Puppet that's animation. Like, that's like yeah, that's it looked more like cell shading yeah. animation to me. But it's motion still, capture. yeah, but that's still motion capture. It's still CG. It's just a material that's added after to the models. Uh, okay, gotcha. To make it look like it's more hand drawn. Um, it's mm, what we were talking about before, Walking Dan. Dead looks different. Right, but it's still. I mean, some of it's. I think some of it's animated. I'm not sure how much motion, but I think some of it might be motion capture. Well, there's Some a lot of, of it still done on mm-hmm. motion capture. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all that raw data, you can't just use it, or it <laughs> it flickers around, and the feet um, generally aren't planted, and there's the whole... But you have to do, like, two or three passes on anything that you get, um, the at feet, least in my experience. Oh my I was watching some unseen yeah. <laughs> stuff, and it was like watching a thing, like an N64 game. <laughs> with like people walking into objects and their feet just sliding. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get that when you were playing that much? Um, for which for which game? Uh, Until Dawn. Oh. Uh, you know, I didn't really notice that. Usually, like games like um, Max Payne, like the newer Max Payne games. Yeah. Have a lot of that stuff that just bugs the mm. crap out of me. And even um, Bioshock Infinite, I was like. All the characters' shoulders are really slumped. <laughs> and I remember so what? I in, like actually, what, what 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 intrigues me about the Telltale games is they're kind of stylized in the way they that are. yeah they're kind of embracing what games can do. They're not trying to, you know, be photorealistic right. representations right. of mm-hmm. the people they're depicting. Um, they're trying to represent the comics, though. Right. That's what's that's what's quite interesting. Like the um, I think I think that's part of the thing in that the the uh, Walking Dead one is obviously based right. on the comics, but the great Game of Thrones one is based on the TV show, so it's trying mm-hmm. to look like realistic more than the um, right. than Walking Dead's trying to look trying to recreate the comics, not the TV mm-hmm. show. Yeah, so it it's. It's more effective at doing that than the Game of Thrones game is at recreating. And, and this yeah, is I mean, where I, I want to go back I mean, I think, to yeah. the point I made about levels of abstraction mm-hmm. at the point at mm-hmm. which you really get invested in things. You know, it's why animation works. It's because it's dealing with abstract representations of people and of ideas. And you can get invested in things in a sort of indirect way, rather than being presented with like a L.A. noir, you know. Uncanny yeah. Valley. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. And also it's about mood, though, too. I mean, I I know that if I... <laughs> like, if I play um, some game that I was, like, super involved with and um, 
and spent many, many hours playing and I got, you know, really into the graphic style and all of that. And then you go pick up and play something else and you just get disappointed because you sort of miss that <laughs> other land and environment. And I think that's what happened with the Game of Thrones game. I was just like, I can't deal with this style. <laughs> like, I can't <laughs> deal with these simplistic materials or whatever, you know, and I think seriously it was like, or, I, you know, I'm longing for this more like abstract thing. It's funny. I mean, um, you know, I bet if I picked it up again, I, you know, might have a whole nother take on it, which is interesting, you know, because we just have so much choice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I gotta, I gotta say, look, I'm just looking at the Game of Thrones one now. They've done a pretty interesting job with taking, they're obviously going for like recreating the look of the TV show. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. they're pushing the expressions in a way which motion capture would not allow, and it seems like they kind of understand to make an exaggerated version of the, of the yeah, film. Yeah, I mean it's it's not great though. It's actors. not great. Like it's right. kind of clunky. Like I mean, in the same way. Yeah, I mean in the same way that the, the Walking mm-hmm. Dead has its moments where it's like. Well, you know, you just sort of forgive it because the writing and the gameplay and the voice acting is so good, you know, and even was... It's the thing, it's all about mm-hmm. story. Exactly. This is exactly. what these are. These are story exactly. games. Yeah, and it, so. it's sort of, it's, it's what we talked about before, like, when you're playing a game and you become so immersed and, like, emotionally invested, um, it has to do with gameplay and story, you know, and voiceover and voice acting is super important, too, I think. Only for more, like, for modern games, I think. Because even, like, a lot of, like, the earlier, like, I just mentioned back to those RPGs, like, even those were, like, before Mm. there was any real voice acting, there was still plenty of opportunity to get um, invested, because even though there was no voice, that was what the, um, you know, that's why the soundtracks for a lot of those earlier games were, you know, highly regarded, at least even today among, um, you know, video game fans, because without the voice, since there were no voices, that gave more room for... A soundtrack or a musical score to add, you know, give the scene or a moment or event like emotion. So it was just, it was, it was still all there. It was just there was a different way of doing it. And and there are there are classic video game sounds like the sped up Mario music, um, or, yeah. or, or or the um, uh, the ex- exclamation well, mark. Uh, Metal Gear Solid. If I hear that, or the Mario thing, I, I just get anxiety in my stomach. You or know, the uh, up a bit and... or the drowning sound in Sonic the Hedgehog. You like instantly feel fear, like oh crap. You could just you could just play those. Like they would be pretty dangerous alarms to have because I would wake up. I had. I had um, a Metal Gear Solid uh, ringtone for quite awesome. a long time. It was, it was the, it was the, um, it was like, oh yeah, it was the, like the game over music. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, I did as well. Yeah, thing. yeah, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I talking about Metal Gear Solid really quick is what I thought was so made at least the original that made it so freaking special was you know like you said the the writing and the dialogue. I mean even you know. Like, if you're really looking at it, I mean, you can still see some parts are, like, really kind of hokey or really cheesy. But 
one of the things that make that makes me forgive it is because of the fact that it kind of even like with the long cinematic cutscenes and you know interactive with you know interspersed between the actual gameplay, it's kind of like recreating like a really classic like spy action film. And you can notice mm-hmm. that like, through yeah. a lot of the different shots and angles that they do in the in the cutscenes. And, you know, it just kind of really creates that feel. So whenever I want to, like, a, give an example, like, if you want to recreate, like, something of a of that particular kind of genre of film in a video game, that game did it perfectly. And, and while having its own, like, video game spin on it. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid's definitely um, the first two. Definitely, like, those are, if you are, ask me, like, the iconic experiences that I've had playing games mm. that like mm. yeah that you know, was one same for me too it, they same were right up there <laughs> they were right up there it's like it's like that you know Super Mario World Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear Solid 2 <laughs> 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 yeah. yes uh, Tomb Raider uh, the first one when the um when, when the when the T-Rex oh God. comes out they're like the they're like the most iconic uh, Resident Evil 2, these things just, they're just um, seared Mm -hmm. in your brain. Totally. I think. And as we've been talking about animation and the animate, well, that was the idea, um, (laughs) (laughs) the animation in games, I can't talk, like recent stuff, I can't uh, miss the opportunity to talk about how amazing the animation is, like in the recent Nintendo games, like the um, Super Mario 3D World and Mario Kart yeah. 8 they've just That's they're like gorgeous. just the best interactive cartoons yep. you've ever seen they're just they've got so much charm and it's like uh, why weren't you making HD games earlier they're amazing <laughs> yeah I, I I wish like yeah I really wish I could play um, Mario Galaxy in HD oh yeah yeah but you're oh, right they, they, they do look gorgeous they... and uh, it seems like you know really it if you're talk- if you're talking about like the cutting edge of of um animation it's in video games now it's not in movies or mm-hmm. or anything else it's it's in video games because uh, you know years before um movies got into motion capture video games were on it and um, they were pioneering mm-hmm. it, you know. Our, exactly, they were, they were the pioneers of that. Exactly, and the same applies to um, higher frame rates. Mm-hmm. For sure, um, mm-hmm. as well. So, they animation really has evolved with video games and vice versa. I think. Yeah, it really has. And also, sort of in yes. the indie scene, it's. It's like 2D's... When people, you know, they say, oh, I miss 2D animation in movies or whatever, there's a lot of beautiful 2D animation. Oh, yeah. For sure. Well, Mm -hmm. even like um, Don't Starve. Uh, Oh, love Don't Starve. I don't think I've played that. Don't Don't Starve. It's it's a a survival game. Really Mm-hmm. That you can't win, but you can't stop playing. And the, and, yeah. and the, <laughs> and can, turkeys it, are jerks. I'm just gonna say that right now. Uh, it's, you know what I'm like talking about. Horrible. 
Yes, it's it's just a horrible, pointless endeavor, and you can't stop once you start. But the animation, how great is the animation in that game? It's mm-hmm. phenomenal. For like, it's like said for a two D style. Mm-hmm. It's all two D. Also, also phenomenal two D style. I don't know if anyone's like I forget what the I, I'm kicking myself that I can't remember the company name uh, who developed these games, but it's a Japanese company. Um, developed these. Beautifully hand drawn uh, 2D animated games, um, Odin Sphere, and uh, oh. let me let me let me look it up. Uh, I don't know this. It, Od- Odin is in. Odin is in. You know the O D I at the. Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Not Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Sphere. <laughs> it was a. Um, it was kind of like an action RPG. At least as Odin Sphere was, and at least a couple other. Games. I've heard the name. Uh, Vanillaware is the name of the uh, developer, uh, and uh, it's just if I, if you have the opportunity to look up any of anything out of Vanillaware, I highly recommend it. Like um, Odin Sphere was the one game that I played, and yeah, um, for, for me, the um, the most significant uh, 2D animation for me in video games was um, the Guilty Gear series. Oh, Guilty Gear! Oh, yes, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I don't know that. I was just blown away when I, I I saw that and it was like, Oh my god, it's it's beautiful, detailed two D animation with with a fighting game. Um Guilty yeah. <laughs> yeah, Gear, um what is those? Terrible at those games, but <laughs> Blaze Blue is another one. That's more of a visual like a fighting game combined Blaze with the Blue visual was the same novel. Company, I think. Yeah, I think so. And then there's there's games that do stop motion as well. There's a new one called Amicrog, oh. which is a I think it was a, a Kickstarter oh, right. one, and it's like I think it's the co-creator. Oh, it was. Um, oh my god, it, yes, yes. It was it was based on. Um, oh my goodness, there was a, the Neverhood uh, uh, Chronicle. Or no, it's just oh. called the Neverhood. Did you ever yeah. play that? Don't think so. It was like no, it was like a mid nineties game that used stop motion. It was like a it was a oh, point. It was like a click. Yeah, I never played that. Game. And have you seen the, the Wii U game um, Yoshi's Woolly World, where everything looks like it's knitted? It's oh, cool. and, yeah, Kirby, Kirby's Epic Yarn. That looks so cute. Yeah, they've done they've done some really interesting experimental games with graphics yeah. like that in That's Nintendo really recently. Beautiful. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. You just, you just uh, <laughs> this is not related to anything. Just I... It's just I just want to get this thought out there, and I wondered if it's really cliche, but I still seriously feel this way. Um, when it comes to graphics and and pushing video games and making, uh, okay, so in in the case of Pixar. You know, um, John Lasseter always says that they're in the they're 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 about making worlds which are not necessarily realistic, but are believable and are involving and immersive. Um, and for me, that really is is um, is seen uh, in Ico or Ico oh, and the yes. Shadow of the Colossus. Oh yeah, because those games really understood the idea of 
creating an impression of the world. The textures were all in favor of creating a, it were all, um, in favor. They were all, um, about like creating a stylized experience, mm-hmm. not something that was necessarily realistic, but through creating, you know, a, a uh, images that sort of evoke painting a little bit more than photographs. I think those games really hold up. Um, and, yeah, graphic. and they're still, yeah, and I mean, there were games like, I mean, look at something like Limbo, or even like The Binding mm. of Isaac, which is more mm. like sort of but pixel art, but it, <laughs> that plus the video game writing plus the fact that, I mean, The Binding of Isaac, do you guys know anything about that one? Like, basically, What's you that got called? a little The Binding of Isaac. Not really. Um, it's a, about a I've little boy's like locked in the basement by his um, stupor. Um, yeah, he uses tears. He shoots tears at these monsters. That I mean, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I mean, it looks this... like a new grounds cartoon. <laughs> yeah, it's like this super. I mean, talk about super stylized, but it also is kind of emotionally effective as you're playing this little shooter. <laughs> It was game. another game that was very, like, kind of stylized, kind of like that. Um, what was this? Uh, a game I played, like, a, last year on Steam. It was called, uh, what was it? Ah, what was the title? Uh, Valiant Hearts, uh, The Great War. It was a, a video game about, about World War I. Uh, I didn't play that World War One. It was, it was kind of like a puzzle oh. platformer kind of thing. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah, it was, it, it did have a kind of distinct kind of cartoonish style, and I mean, when the characters talked, you didn't really understand what they were saying because they they kind of spoke in like a dribbish of the like the language that they were supposed to be speaking. But you still, you know, you got invested because you know the heart, you know, the heart of the story and like everything that you know you were doing with the characters. You you they the game did its job in getting you emotionally invested in it and getting you know right. wanting making you want to play till the end. Mm-hmm. And it, it points to what you were saying, Dan, about how you know, basically that these sort of stylized worlds that um, prop up story and and um, you know lend themselves to a, like full around experience, more rounded experience, mm-hmm. as opposed to just yeah. trying to be something that, that right. you know trying to be something else. Mm-hmm. And I think that sounds like <laughs> a good place for us to say. That that's the end of our conversation to pause. today. It's been a bit, bit, it's been a bit rambling. I was just wait, waiting for a, a place I can oh jump God. in. Oh God! Sorry. Pause. Pause that's until okay. next week. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, there's an awful lot to talk about in the games scene. We we've barely scratched the surface, and we will t- come back to games definitely. Sure. So. We hope we hope you enjoyed our conversation about games, and we will we will definitely return to it. But that brings us to a close before we hit three hours, nearly. <laughs> um, so it's time for us to say goodnight and thank you for listening. Um, it, you can keep up with everything on animationproducts.com. And you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on AFA Blog, and also on Tumblr and Pinterest and Google Plus. And you can follow me at Mr. Crystal. 
and it's the same on Facebook. And you can find Dan at Hamu on uh, Twitter. And at Rachel. Fail to Ninja. And Yvonne. I'm on Twitter at Eisner underscore Inc. And also, um, if you are in the New York City area, please pop by uh, to the Animation Nights New York screening on October 14th, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Fulton Stall Market. <laughs> and submit your short films or encourage people to submit their short films to animationnights.nyc. Cool. And if there are any um, games that pop up in the adverts below this post that you fancy buying, then help yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yes, thanks for listening, and we will catch you soon. And it's game (laughs) over, I guess. Snake! 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 (laughs) Snake! Good night, everybody. Bye. 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 Snake. What happened? Snake. Snake. Okay, and also. Did you guys hear that? I was just pouring a cup of coffee. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.